0: So you have your uh, choice today uh, for show open clips. We either have, let's see, we either have something about American industry, we have something about articulating the popular rage, or we have something about the economy. What do we feel today? Oh,
1: this all so they're, they're all interconnected, or are they not?
0: Okay, first of all, Tim is confused and Sarah doesn't seem enthused by either of them, any of them. Do we have no preference? Maybe if you read them a second time. Would you rather hear something else? It doesn't sound like anybody wants to hear any of those things. All of my carefully crafted opens seem to be resonating with all of the bounce of a deflated basketball.
1: Yes, please read
2: them all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear any of these things, do you? know, I'm sorry, I you just think I, the
2: economy and rage and stuff. Why would I want to hear that? I
0: work. I slave. I grab my fingers to give, the bone. Give
2: the three options. No, in, like, you know. Sure I you. That's,
0: no, you know what? I'll just. I could just play something from Family Guy.
2: Yay! That seems
0: to make everybody happy. All right. I had something that was had to do with the economy from a movie. I had something that had to do with American industry. And then I had something to do with articulating the popular range. So, that's okay. doesn't matter. I'll find something else. No, no, no. Let's all just wait here. That wait. sounds good. No. You know, don't, don't peddle your lies to me, Tim Riley. All right. It's the Rick Emerson Show.
3: As the 21st century began, human evolution was at a turning point. Natural selection, the process by which the strongest, the smartest, the fastest reproduced in greater numbers than the rest, a process which had once favored the noblest traits of man, now began to favor different traits. Most science fiction of the day predicted a future that was more civilized and more intelligent. But as time went on, things seemed to be heading in the opposite direction are dumbing down. How did this happen? Evolution does not necessarily reward intelligence. With no natural predators within the herd, it began to simply reward those who reproduced the most and left the intelligent to become an endangered species. And so it went for generations, although few, if any, seem to notice. But in the year 2005, in a military base just outside of Washington, D.C., a simple army librarian was unknowingly about to change the entire course of human history.
0: Is everybody satisfied with that show open? Yes. I'm going to trudge sadly upstairs later on and go burn my creations. Why, uh, hello, it is 8 minutes and 13 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of September, in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly really ostentatious studios of AM 970. The Talker. 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 Uh, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy and amusement. It is 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvitches, screeches, screeds, uh, ruminations of an amusing and nihilistic nature. Whatever it is you got today. It's 503-733-2970. 503-7... Pardon me? I had a whole thing there. I was trying to breathe, swallow, speak, and it kind of clear my nose all at once. And instead it was just a whole lot of ah! vapor lock. All right. It's 503 733 You want to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Um, Richie is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along a... Uh, Really whatever's filling your brain today. Your brain is like some sort of a, um, if your brain is like some overtaxed steam valve and there's a pressure release that needs to happen, this is the place to do it. It's 503 I was going to go the other analogy and compare your brain to a big bulging boil, but I figured that was unpleasant. So I didn't do that. I don't traffic in that kind of humor. I don't truck with it. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Coming up later on today, we will talk to Siena radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, who's going to join us talking about Wall Street. And I'm not going to do that thing of, you know, like so many talk show hosts do where they come on and there's something that nobody really thought about or appreciated to any significant degree up until a couple of days ago, and then suddenly they are an instant expert on it, which is kind of how everything happened. I remember after 9-11 and then when we started to go in and clean house in Afghanistan, it's like every jackass at your office suddenly was an expert on Afghanistan and the Russian involvement there in the 1980s. So I'm not going to pretend to be that guy. I will simply say this: I was watching Larry King last night, where I get all my news, and Ben Stein was on there. And there's, a, you know, we was that a show win Ben Stein's money? Uh, last yeah. night should have been take Ben Stein's blood pressure, because I, it, it seemed I was afraid at one point last night on Larry King that Ben Stein was actually going to go all trancers on me and his head was going to blow up. Because Larry, Larry King, tonight are we talking about the economy? First, let's go to Ben Stein. And they went to Ben Stein, who looks bad, by the way. There's a, he's got some weird disease that is wasting half of his face away, and the other half is all bloated. It's sort of like he's one of those stress dolls that you squeeze and everything gets shifted around. But it's like everything on the right side of his face has moved over to the left side of his face, and then his ears have gotten three times larger than they used to be. You look at Ben Stein's ears three, four years ago. Look at Ben Stein's ears now. Two wholly different sets of ears. It looks like, he, he's, looking, looks like he's about ready to fly around with a mouse perch behind his head. Anyway, so they're talking to Ben Stein about the economy, and I can't really do the Ben Stein voice, but he's doing that thing where he talks like this, and Larry, I just want to say... And I think he did everything but demand that we get lamps and torches and pitchforks and guns and charge the Federal Reserve. I mean, it really wasn't like he was about to call for blood at one point. And then they had Donald Trump come on, because I guess it's like a rule that you have to have Donald Trump come on and talk about money, even though everything he has seems to go bankrupt all yeah. the time. So,
1: I mean, he just destroys everything he gets his hands on. Why on earth did they ask Donald Trump's advice? I have no idea. You know, Donald Trump,
0: what
4: do you think about this?
0: Well, Larry, as you know, everything I do fails. So I'm, of course, the person you want to ask about this. Anyway, so we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum about the the financial situation. Uh, CNN radio correspondent James Roop uh, will be joining us to talk about his sojourn from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, back to Los Angeles, California, as he prepares for the Emmys, which are coming up on Sunday. We'll uh, also talk to Cena Radio correspondent Bob Noodles Costantini, uh, who is in for uh, Lisa Desjardins today. Uh, what else we got? Coming up later on the day? Glorious Bastard of the Week. Lots of stuff for the Glorious Bastard of the Week this week. Uh, sometimes the cornucopia is half full. Sometimes the cornucopia, three-quarters full. Today, a three-quarters day. Uh, today's Glorious Bastard of the Week uh, will win, among other things, a pair of tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar gonna be the schnitzer there you go Jesus Christ Superstar we'll talk more about that later on uh... let's see what else do we have uh... top five today i'm gonna admit this to you right now Uh, we usually have six songs for the top five because it's five and an honorable mention i got four of them right now uh... there's one that i couldn't find and the one that i'm still waffling on and of course what i Chris Paddock who was sort of the Bruce Valanche of the the Rick Emerson Show's top five segment he was walking by my eye he was on his way to somewhere more important this morning and I waylaid him I
4: said, come on in.
0: And uh, he said, what? And I said, hey, here's this top five I'm putting together. Uh, help a brother out. And so he gave me his thoughts, and I think I'm, I- I've i almost got it done. There's one that I'm still kind of prevaricating on and one that I still need to locate. But today's top five, if I can sort of pull it together, it'll be the uh, top five songs that spell things out. Top five songs in which stuff is spelled
2: I already am thinking of, like, three.
0: Yeah. See, and I got... There's one that I'm, I'm not quite sure on. And there's one that, quite frankly, I can't find. It's not in my library. Tried to find it in the CBS Music Library. Couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, so we might have to try to track that one down. Top five songs that spell stuff out. Uh, it is High Concept Thursday, so we'll get to that later on today. Uh, Geek Watch today. Uh, Jock Watch today. I mentioned the Glorious Bastard of the Week. Yes, I did. Notes to get to. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of that one. Oh, see, there's that, one. Oh, see, there you go. Well, here's. Okay, wait, here's another one. Here's one that I didn't. <laughs> let me just, uh. Here's one that I almost put on the list and then didn't. It's, uh, you know. Oh,
2: yeah. That one. That's, that's true, because it's like one of those ones that might slip your head because.
0: That's what I'm saying. so familiar. All right. Well, in any event, we'll try to get to that later on today. Top five songs that are spelling things out. Yeah. Uh, and, uh. This is all true. Uh, Jim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today.
1: A four alarm fire races through a Clackamas wood plant. A Lake Oswego student is injured playing the fainting game. We'll find out who we can all play in a little while. Clark County may ban car washing on the street. A Utah couple is arrested following a baby shower brawl. China could buy a Morgan Stanley. The foundation of U.S. capitalism is shattered, post the Europeans they Fed will dump $180 billion into our troubled economy. Meanwhile, central banks, whoever they are, are dumping in another $300 billion. That's for the world, not just us. Political polls are sliding back to where they were before the introduction of Sarah Palin. Ted Nugent, Lynn Cheney, and Donald Trump all support Palin. But Karl Rove said the excitement over her will subside. Cockroaches rained down on the police investigating <laughs> a house of filth. That's great. And scientists will count rats by satellite.
0: Really? Yes. All right, progress marches onward. All right, we're uh, joined today as always by the lovely and talented Sir X. Dillon. Hello, how are you? Today?
2: Hello, hello, I'm doing right. well.
0: Exciting happenings last night.
2: Um, I went to saw my friends band Benson Jones play, and actually uh, they were opening for our friends Red Hot Pistol.
0: Excellent. How yeah. did you stay to see those guys? I
2: did not, okay. but um, but my buddies here in Benson Jones, they said that uh, Red Hot Pistol opened for them last time. And they said they were just shamed. Yeah. But they didn't even want to go on stage after Red Hot Pistol. I'm they were talking about. Good.
0: What kind of band is Benson Jones?
2: Um, they're they're like the rock and roll.
0: Isn't Benson Jones, a Kenny Rogers song? No, that's Reuben James. Yeah, that's Reuben James. Sorry. Uh, what is the second line of that chorus? Reuben James, you still. I don't remember, but I played it a million times. I, there's a word in that chorus, and it's cheating now to Google. Do you ever feel now like it's cheating to Google things or look them up? Like you almost feel like you have to make yourself remember the fact.
1: No, the public no. demands
2: instant knowledge.
0: Yeah. There's that like, Ruben James, you still la-la-la-la fields of my
2: mind. Because there's going to be 15 more minutes of this, and we could just be like...
0: Yeah, but I, but you know what it is? Here's the thing about looking something up in Google or Wikipedia. Uh, as my mom called it the other day. The the thing about it is, it's like letting the spell check do the work for... I was trying to spell the word renaissance the other day, and um, I think I was describing Peter Carlin as a renaissance man, which isn't, like, all that accurate, but it's sort of flowery, and I thought he might appreciate it. That's before he called me a closeted jackass, but that's neither here nor there. So, I'm trying to spell the word renaissance, and, of course, I'm mangling it, but immediately, what do you get the... It looks like you're incapable of spelling words. Would you like help? And I sent the paperclip away. Like, be gone, Mr. Paperclip, because I had to figure it out myself. Where I mean, am i
1: looking? lucky. Nobody has them.
0: Nobody has what? The, the, the Lur- Ruben James Lurie. <laughs> Lur-
2: how can I mean, nobody have to- At this point, why do you have to... Like, I mean, you're you're a 30-something guy. Like, why are you still trying? <laughs> why, still try, why are you still trying to learn how to spell? Like, if it's doing it for they, you. They
1: do offer news of James P. Ruben. Really? What is James P.
0: Ruben up to? Well, let's find out. Oh, I
1: guess he writes for the New York Times. Well, how nice for him.
0: Moving on. Anyway, so Kenny Rogers has that, you still walk. the, And in my head, it's, you still walk. I don't want to do a whole misheard lyrics thing. But in my head, he's saying, Reuben James, you still walk the Furlan fields of my mind. But I realize that's not even a word. Furlan isn't a word. There's Furlan Husky, but he's a country singer. Well, whatever. Anyway, you're so, the only
2: one who's talking about
1: Berlin Husky.
0: All right, so not Reuben James, but you went to see Benson Jones, who Benson were great. Jones. Yeah,
2: right. they were really good. I think you would like them.
0: You know who else is great though? Is Red Hot Pistol. Those guys. Mm-hmm. I saw Red Hot Pistol play at um, Satyricon while back. Jesus, it's like they came out. They beat that crowd like the crowd owed them money. I mean, they walked out on stage and it was. I mean, it didn't like it. It was like a big metal fist right in your right in your solar plexus. Uh, and that guy who sings for them, that guy who looks like, a <clears throat> the guy who sings for them looks like, um, he looks like, what's his guts from, Linkin Park?
2: Oh, that's you know, not Jesse? What is Jesse? No, here?
0: Jesse's the bass player, but that guy who sings for them, he's like Moby, but like with thick horn-rimmed glasses, you know, and sort of angry looking. Like, he's like a really angry sort of, he's like a re- weird, angry Rivers-Cuomo-Moby hybrid. But then he comes out of the opens. It. he's one of those guys that looks, you know, not a bad guy, looks, you know, doesn't look like a guy who'd be all that aggressive. And he opens his mouth, and one of those Rah! voices comes out, and you're like, "Jesus, like, <laughs> what it's is this?" Moment. So, yeah, if you ever get a chance to see a Red Hot Pistol, they are like a big boot in your eye. So, and Benson Jones, I'm sure a fine band as well.
2: Yes, 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 indeed. I think you would have liked.
0: Them. All right, fantastic. Um, let's see, a uh, couple uh, brief bits of business before we go to the uh, phones here. It is five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. The zombie name poll is now up at nine seventy dot a m. You go to nine seventy dot uh, it's on the main page down the very bottom left. Uh, so you go to uh, www.970.am. You scroll down to the very bottom left, and Bridget has put the zombie name poll up there. We are trying to find the collective term for a whole bunch of zombies. And I forget what there is is, like lurch of zombies, and stagger of zombies, and a, a slaughter of zombies, I think, and a tangle of zombies, and a skein of zombies, and whatever. I'm partial to scheme, but don't don't let that like influence your voting or anything. So uh, this, by the way, is it posted. So now you can quit emailing me your zombie collective name suggestions. Fun is fun. It's been like nine days. Knock it off. So you can go to 970. Am and vote there. We got the ten semi finalists. Vote for the uh, name for a collective of zombies there. Let's see what else do we have here. Oh, and then uh, Tim, we had this email, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not. Have you noticed that the last few nights the sky and the moon have been really uh, red? Yes, sir.
1: I think it's because the moon is running out of money, and they're about to switch it off. <laughs> the Unless moon, it receives it. The moon I is tend- in the red. Yes. Dear Moon, we have received notice that your account is past due. <laughs> no, I, I noticed that too, and I thought it was only in my neighborhood. No, it's like really
2: touched... hazy and neat looking. Hmm? Yeah. It, uh, it is. It, it is it. kind
0: of like an orange moon. This email says, I have a question for Tim. I've noticed the past couple of days there being a red tinge to the sky, and last night I looked at the moon, and the moon was totally red. Has anyone else noticed this? Is there a big fire or something that's coloring the sky? Is it the apocalypse? Are we all going to die? Only Tim knows for sure. Well, so I don't really know. I don't really understand how the sky works or the atmosphere or anything like that. So, it
2: has been strange, especially the lights uh, for the past couple days yesterday, and even more so on Monday. I came out, and the, it was like an orange sky, but it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and just really weird filtered mm-hmm. light.
0: That's what I'm saying. Do you ever do this, and maybe less so now that we're all past the age of reason, but did you ever come out, and it, you see, and this is typically during the spring or summer, you're like, you know, you're in Safeway or whatever, and you walk out to the parking lot, and you turn and you look at the sky, and... The clouds and the sun are in such a configuration that for a moment you say to yourself, you know, because the, the clouds will be there, but then there'll be a break in the clouds and a huge golden beam of sunshine is streaming through the clouds down to earth. And you will say to yourself for just half a second before you get control, you'll say, wait a minute, is this the rapture? Have I, oh, Jesus, is this the second coming? I wasn't, I was totally unprepared for this. Because growing up in Catholic. You know, it's surrounded by Catholic imagery, you get all those pictures of the way it's going to look when you know Jesus comes back on a winged thing, uh, you know, that comes back to take the uh, take the believers with him and to damn the to damn the heretics. And so occasionally, even now as an adult, I'll walk outside and if the sun is is shining through the clouds and just the just the right way for just a moment, I'll say to myself, Ah, oh Christ, no one no one told me that the end of the world was going to be today.
1: have uh-huh. somebody from Massachusetts, right? I saw a red moon, then it turned orange and then white. Why? The best answer is, it could be from smoke, so the moon must be smoking. All right. Then. Or maybe somebody smoking on the moon. So that's all we know for now.
0: None of these answers are probably true. <laughs> uh, all right, let's just do some calls here before we uh, take a break at the bottom of the hour, after which we will talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastamoff. Oh, speaking of Reuben James, though, Tim, remind me to make a country song observation here in just a second. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show.
5: Hello there. Rick, it's in Oregon,
0: City. Hello. Hi, uh, how are you, sir?
5: Oh, hello. You guys are killing me today. Thank you. Hey, um, I, I was listening to the recap, and uh, I, I just wanted to give you my memories of, uh, of of Roddy Piper and that whole... I'm about 10 years older than you are, so I grew up in the Tom Peterson era of wrestling when uh, 11 o'clock every Saturday night, and Roddy Piper and uh, Shag Thomas, the referee, and the whole thing. Shag deal. Thomas. Do you remember Shag Thomas? No, I don't, but it's a Is great that name.
0: Where's a bad toupee? Yeah, that's a that's you a fantastic that's Shag a name Thomas. you would only hear in sports or sports casting.
5: Shag Thomas was a uh, a shorter, very heavy set African American gentleman and uh, he could break up anybody. He was hilarious and funny. Excellent. Um and, and uh, by the way, yesterday you were talking about the guy with the uh, that was the kid that was blowing up balloons with his nose yes, in Blaine, sir. Washington. Mm-hmm. Blaine is the farthest northwest point in the lower 48. It's just this side of the border from Canada. Oh, so it's probably up
0: not a very exciting place.
5: <laughs>
0: Perhaps one's only amusement does come from expelling oxygen out of your head into a plastic receptacle.
5: There might not be any 14-year-old girls in Blaine.
0: Well, this I, I have to tell you this. If there are 14-year-old girls, here's the thing about a town like Blaine, Even not, not even, only really knowing what we heard yesterday and what you've told me now, girls in towns like that are usually really trampy because there's just nothing else to do. But you're not going to impress those girls uh, by blowing wind out of your face into a <laughs> balloon. That's going to impress no one. So.
1: All right, thanks. You guys have a good day. Thank you, sir. All right. Now, the reason for the orange moon is due to the scattering of light by the atmosphere. When the moon is near the horizon, the moonlight must pass through much more atmosphere than when the moon is directly overhead. By the time the moonlight reaches your eyes, the blue, green, and purple pieces of visible light have been scattered away by air molecules. That's why you only see yellow, orange, or red. The moon can have an orange color at any time of the year. Sometimes the moon appears to be orange, even though it's directly overhead. This occurs when there's a lot of dust, once again, smoke, Hear that, Al Gore? Or pollution in the atmosphere. It's our dirty urine. All right. The size of these particles will determine the type of color you'll see.
0: So this is, a, so this is just one of those. This, so this is the same reason, essentially, that there is a sunset. Uh, in other words, when the sky is sort of pink and whatever. Yes. All right. Okay. So, wait, that means that without dirt and pollution, there would be no beautiful sunsets. That's correct. Does this mean that the more we pollute, the more beautiful the sky will become?
1: Yes. So please start doing it. Let's
0: begin teaching children that now. <laughs> uh higher on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey Rick. What's up?
1: Hey, I got a suggestion for your
5: top five. Yes, sir. Uh Angel Dust, uh be aggressive.
0: Be aggressive, B E aggressive. B E A G G R E S S I B E. Yeah. Isn't that song about the well, never mind. Let's yeah, not. you don't want to talk about. I was that, just going to say, let's. Uh, that song might need some significant editing now that I think about it. I do believe. it think it
5: have any uh, bad words in it, so I think you can actually play it. But
0: I do believe it is a perhaps, if not strictly speaking, profane, certainly descriptive, uh, descriptive piece of a descriptive piece of music in terms of love. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, take a yeah. look at it. All right. By the way, here's the thing about "Be Aggressive" by Faith No More, completely stolen by Marilyn Manson for that mob scene song in which he was M-O-M-O-B, you know, O-B-S-E-E-N-E. Anyway, so, all right, well, we'll put it on the list. Thank you.
6: Uh Uh-huh. There you go. All right.
0: Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
6: Hey, Rick, I think the word you're looking for in that song from Reuben James or from Kenny Rogers? Yes. You still walk
7: the furrowed fields of my mind.
0: I don't like the word furrowed. Furrowed is an unpleasant word to me.
2: Really? It doesn't bother me.
0: Really? Because I... Something like furry. I suppose so. Furrowed, and what is furrowed? Is that just like a, well, where there's like use, a crevasse of some kind? No, when you use a
6: plow, you raise a furrow. That's what—that's the mound of dirt that raises up when you use a plow.
0: All right. You know, a so, furrow. so basically, Reuben James is still walking the plowed fields of his mind. Correct. Why would there be plowed? Never mind. All right, but it is—but okay. you believe it is furrowed fields? I guess that makes sense. He's a country R- singer and all talking about the earth, the Pretty land. Sure. Pretty sure it is. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right furrowed fields in my mind. Okay, I'm going to check that off. Because I always thought it was Furland Fields, and that didn't make any sense, but then it was like Furland Fields sounds like another country star. See, I'm Furland Fields, and I'd like to invite you to buy my 20 greatest hits right now. Call this number.
1: All my best.
0: <laughs> You'll also get my touching duet with Red So Vine. So, it, that, but it was just that whole lyrical question all these many years of my life. Um, it was right there at the intersection of care and don't care. And I couldn't quite figure out if I really wanted to figure it out or not. Did I tell you that Kenny Rogers' new record is only for sale at Cracker Barrel? That's weird. Yeah. Hi, ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey,
7: I was, uh, Rick, uh, uh, you already figured it out, but the moon is the color it is right now because of the forest fires over by Mount Hood in Central Oregon. Oh,
0: so specifically because of those fires. Okay, I, I, that would make sense, I guess.
7: Yeah, and the sunset, yeah. they'll be pretty anyway uh, without pollution. Because when the sun sets, it's actually... The light that's diffusing in the atmosphere, Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's really boring. No,
0: no, but... no. I'm just saying I have to trust you on this because this is an answer that you probably understand but that in my head is just gibberish.
7: Well, you know, the earth is a globe and it's curve. <laughs> and when yes. you reflect light from curve, it changes color. Yeah, like when you hold a prism, you know, make the rainbow.
0: Can I tell you that the, the tone of voice and the cadence would, that you are using to speak to me right now, and I understand why you're doing it, is exactly the way every teacher had to talk to me literally for like 13 years of my education because I just couldn't grasp anything. Uh, uh, I have a teenager, so. Ah, there you go. All right, thank hey, you, sir. Uh, yes?
7: Uh, one, one, uh, uh, never mind, I forgot, never mind. All right, way to
0: lose it at the end.
2: Yeah, thanks.
0: All right, All thank right. you.
2: All
0: right, there you go. Uh Do we need to break or can I do one more here?
2: One more phone call. Yeah.
0: Oh, Do so one more and then we'll break. I, mean, I will have to talk about country stuff later. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
7: Hello, Rick Emerson. What's up? Hello, everybody. Okay, this is driving me crazy. The uh, the Reuben James song is uh-huh. "You Still lost the Fertile field of My Mind." So that
0: Spiritual. guy was that guy was completely Spiritual. wrong.
7: The only reason I know that is because. I went to a private school,
0: mm-hmm.
7: and my mother drove me to school every day when I was living in Connecticut, and she was a country in Washington, and I used to hear Kenny Rogers sing that song all the time.
0: Re- Reuben James used to Reuben walk Reuben the Reuben. fertile fields of my mind. That actually makes more sense.
7: It makes a lot of sense because those are the words.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> no, but then I just got on.
2: something from Thomas Gill that says said... Sarah
0: shaking her head no.
2: Oh Thomas Gill, who knows kind of what he's talking about, he's usually right. He says, Reuben James, you still walk the furrowed fields on my mind. Well,
0: clearly we have to get Kenny Rogers on the phone. That's that's really the only way this is going to be solved. All right, thank you, sir. Excellent. Right, there you go. Isn't Reuben James also the kind of name that would only be in a 70s country song? Yes. You'd never have a song now about a guy named Reuben James. No. It'd be like, you know, Trisha Thornbark, you know, or whatever. You know, some wholesome kind of country girl name. All right. Uh, we probably have to break now. Uh, don't forget, later on, oh, th- two things, though. Uh, so, Glorious Pastor of the Week later on, you'll win um, tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar. More details about that later on. And a whole bunch of, actually, you win, like, a whole fistful of things this week. And uh, we have an additional pair of tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar. When it comes to the Schnitzer, uh, December 2nd and 3rd, uh, you can, uh, tickets go on sale this Friday, the 19th, at the PCPA box office or at Ticketmaster. We're going to give away an additional uh, pair of Jesus Christ Superstar tickets uh, later on today. So we're listening to that. Back after this with Steve Kastenbaum. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Now I want to play something from Jesus Christ Superstar. I'll do that later on.
2: I've never seen Jesus Christ Superstar.
0: It's pretty great. Tim and I were talking about it, talking about another thing that could really only have existed in the 70s. And I think Jesus Christ Superstar, I'm asking the room here, knowing that there will be no response. I think it came out around the same time as this thing called Godspell. See, you. this is a thing that I only kind of remember because I was was pretty young. And then you will not remember this at all. Uh, But in the 70s, we went through this whole period in this country, and it was... I only say this because this is what they were called. We went through this whole so-called Jesus freak era uh, in America, and I think they would, I think it's uh, folks that we probably now call, excuse me, folks that we probably now call either uh, extreme evangelicals or Pentecostals, uh, but there there was a lot, there was a resurgence in Jesus in a sort of like really aggressive, like pushy, fashion, Mm -hmm. and it was around that, and I think there was a plot line on One Day at a Time uh, where, like, Barbara became a Jesus freak, and then, like, over the course of one episode, realized the air of her waves, and then she, you know, whatever, became normal again. But it was right around that time, I think, that Jesus Christ Superstar and Godspell both came out. Anyway, we're going to give away tickets to Jesus Christ Superstar Superstar later on uh, this hour. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. From New York City, seeing a radio correspondent to the star, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you, my brother?
7: Pretty good. Had a couple of days off, a
8: little well-rested. Doing good.
0: Are you feeling reinvigorated?
8: I don't know if I'd go as far as to say reinvigorated, but I'm definitely well-rested.
0: All right. then. Uh, By the way, just uh, something else that people didn't hear during the break. Here's something that you don't want to find yourself saying, uh, and by uh, yourself, I mean Sarah. So, Rick, how can you tell if you've broken something? So, what is it you think you've broken? Your wrist?
2: No, I don't. I don't think my wrist—it just really hurts.
0: Yeah, it's like I saw you trying to pick up a fork earlier, and then wincing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little swollen.
0: What did you uh? How'd you do that?
2: Oh, my bicycle is like super heavy. I parked it on a hill, and when I was trying when I was disattaching it from what I had locked it to, the wheel was kind of inverted toward the hill, and it came like crashing toward me. So mm. I tripped over my bike, caught myself on my uh. on my palm and it hasn't really felt the same ever since. Uh,
0: You know, and and by the way, doesn't it seem like that's an evolutionary trait that ought to have been weeded out of us by now, the idea that you're going to put your hands forward because that never helps. Breaking your fall with your hands only really breaks your hands, not the fall. And it, it really, and I know that this goes against all sorts of like ingrained human instinct and whatnot, but if you're going to trip and fall... It seems like you're really going to do far less damage if you just, rather than putting out your hands, just, just pivot a little bit and just land on your shoulder or something. Mm. You know, your shoulder's way more protected than your hands are. Almost never does putting out your hands to break your fall actually help you. And all it does is take the skin off your hands, and then it messes up your wrists, and then all the way up through your elbow into your shoulder, you've got this radiating pain for the next few days. It's no good.
8: that's why you you never see football players like putting their hands out in front of them when they're going down. You know, when they've been tackled, yeah. they always just take it with their shoulder. You're right.
0: That's uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid. My we went through this phase uh, when I was growing up where my uh, my father was concerned that I was that I wasn't a real man, uh, largely cause I I I, because I think I didn't because I think I didn't want to sit in the garage drinking off brand beer with him and then shooting at like raccoons with a 12 gauge, and so my dad had this whole idea that I needed to be made more manly. And so are these, there are these really hilarious photos of me from when I was, you know, starting around ten up to like, I don't know, maybe thirteen or so, like three. And people who know me will know how ridiculous this is as soon as I say it. There's a couple great photos of me. One, there is a photograph of me playing, yes, community league. Sarah, what's the least likely sport that I would play?
2: Mm, badminton.
0: Of the well, <laughs> of the traditional mainstream American sports. Tennis. No. You're thinking, no, you're being way too... Yes, there you go. So there is actually a photograph of me all dressed up to play community league football, which is just absurd. I mean, it's just ridiculous and was ridiculous. Uh, And there's also some photographs of me, like, in my full-on, like, Jackie Chan, like, martial arts outfit, because my dad had me taking martial arts uh, when I was a kid because he thought it would make me more, I don't know, more something or other. Uh, anyway but the really, the only thing I remember from that is how to fall. They would just that was like the first it like the first six months it seemed like it was just guys picking you up and throwing you on the ground just so you could learn how to fall correctly so that's really the only thing i've got but that's kind of what you're uh, that's kind of what you're addressing there so.
8: so so your father made sure you were just knocked down over and over again
0: seriously i don't know in like in his head this somehow. It was like, uh, you know, as I always say, it was like that thing on on South Park where there's the three-step process. Step one, steal underwear. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. And like in, in my dad's head somehow, there was this flow chart of step one, be repeatedly thrown on ground by guys much bigger than you. And in the case of football, be knocked onto the ground and, you know, like stomped on by guys much bigger than you. Step two, question mark. Step three, manliness. And it didn't really work out. But I can fall with the best of them, sir.
3: It won't hurt
0: your wrist. No, no, I won't. I don't even know where to start with this, except to say that I was watching Larry King last night, and Ben Stein was on there along with a whole bunch of other folks, including Donald Trump, for some reason, talking about um, the economy and Wall Street and just everything sort of plummeting. And Ben Stein looked like he was about to come over the desk, jump out of the television, and start punching people in the face. Uh, he was just unhinged. He was so angry at the mishandling. Of all of these things over the last X weeks, months, and years leading up to this, but really?
1: it's, a, it's a it's a bad it's a bad scene.
8: I'm sorry I missed that. That would have been interesting. It was Ben Stein riled up.
0: It was it was really really great. But I mean, what is it yesterday? 449 points or something?
8: Mm-hmm. 449 points. I mean, the market's been down. I mean, all week we've been seeing these triple-digit losses. Today, it's finally in uh, positive territory. Uh, not as much as it was. Earlier in the day, you know, um, foreign central banks, uh, central banks and many other countries injected an additional $180 billion into various uh, financial markets around the world, and that seems to have uh, put the brakes on this skid for now. But uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty on Wall Street. You've got uh, reports that Washington Mutual Bank is up for sale, reports that there are merger talks between Wachovia and Morgan Stanley, so we haven't seen the end of this yet, the end of this uncertainty. And here's, here's a great reason not, not to want to be living in New York right now. So they, they say we could be losing uh, several thousand more jobs here, and the uh, economy, we could be losing like a billion dollars or something like that in, in, the, in the New York economy.
0: See, and the, the, the figures like that, not just because of their size, they all start to think for the average person, by which I mean me, just to float together, because then you start thinking, okay, well, we're losing a billion dollars in the economy. And then I start to wonder, well, does that mean, is that the national debt or is that the national deficit? Are those two different things? What is this? Bi- so when you say you're going to lose a billion dollars, is a dumb question. What, what does that mean? Is that a billion dollars that, I don't know, that people would be paying in taxes that now they're not or that a business would be making by selling something now they're not? Where's that billion dollars being lost from?
8: Let me clarify because I think I misstated it, actually. Uh, a new projection shows wall street 's meltdown could cost new york and we 're talking about New York State mm-hmm. up to forty thousand private sector jobs and three billion dollars in tax revenues over the next two years, according to state officials. One billion dollars uh, would be lost in uh, because of plummeting stock values alone that's that and so it has to do with you know the profits on wall street we You know, we get tax revenue off of every uh, uh, stock transaction that takes place. So if the prices of all these banks uh, go down significantly or are worth nothing after a while, we lose money in in New York State. And also, uh, you know, all these guys losing their jobs on Wall Street means, uh, you know, we count in New York City especially on taxes from their end-of-the-year bonuses. It's a major part Right. Of the financial picture in New York City as far as funding uh, the government uh, here. Uh, and if bonuses are down on Wall Street, New York City goes into deficit mode.
0: It is worth noting that it seems to be a lot of people over the years have sort of have screamed about how government needs to be hand off and is laissez faire capitalism where the government shouldn't be regulating everything. But it does seem like you got one of two choices. You can either regulate it, which people are going to complain about, or you can not regulate it. And then all this crap goes belly up, and then the government has to step in and give them like five hundred skillion dollars. yeah I wish they would just pick something and stick to it. I mean, if you don't want to be regulated, and if you don't want the government making sure that you got enough because really the oversimplification is that a lot of these companies just uh, you know they just had all these loans they were given to people essentially that people then were not able to pay back, and then the company had insufficient capital reserves to sort of stay afloat. And then the government now is going to have to step in and give everybody, you know, $500 quintillion so that they're not completely insolvent. And it seems like at a certain point, you know, the man ought to just say, well, look, maybe you ought to choose more wisely next time.
8: Yeah, well, you know, there are a lot of arguments uh, both for and against these bailouts because, you know, if they continue to let companies go down the tubes, especially the financial financial institutions, it can totally wreck the entire economy in the U.S. But other people, some other people on the opposite end say, that you just have to let the market uh, correct itself, and if that means a lot of banks are going to uh, go under, then then so be it. But eventually, it'll bounce back. Uh, you know, it's hard to say who's right. You know, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you don't figure it out until uh, another couple of years down the road. You know, so
0: I, I will say this: I'll say there's a uh, you know here in the, I don't, you know it's, of course it's the same in you in New York you you know this, but here in Portland we had a lot of food carts. In and out restaurants, not little storefront cafes, but you know, the guy with the, uh, you know, the guy with either the truck or the stand or the cart or whatever. They sell everything from, you know, falafel uh, to tacos to pretzels to whatever. There's a guy down the street, not too far from me, sells fantastic tacos. He's this great sort of Mexican food uh, cart, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. But I know he's saying lately that the times have been kind of tough for him. But you know what? If that guy, not that he does, but if that guy makes bad tacos, and nobody, nobody keeps buying his tacos, and he goes out of business, it's not like he gets to go to the government and go, hey, uh, government, nobody wants to buy my tacos because I'm not making them all that well. Why don't you give me a million dollars so I can keep running my taco cart?
8: You know, that's funny because uh, that that's one of the things I just heard um, McCain and Sarah Palin talking about today at one of their campaign stops. They were talking about, uh, you, know, you know, how it's believed that the small business owner is the backbone of, of the U.S. economy, that, you know, it's the small businesses that, that keep this economy afloat here in the U.S., but if they fail, nobody bails them out, so right. why are we bailing out the banks? It,
0: it does seem, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, because I know we're, we're sort of under the gun here time-wise, it does seem, though... That like if you have a business and your business loses fifty grand, hundred grand, you know the government doesn't really care, and in fact you are penalized in many ways because your credit is your credit is destroyed. Sometimes you got to declare bankruptcy, you can lose everything you own. So if you run your business badly and you lose a hundred grand, then uh, you you get the short end of the stick. If you run your business amazingly badly and you lose you know a billion dollars of yours and other people's money. Then the government comes in and they're all willing to be your pal and help you out, and it does seem a little, um, it does seem a little unfair, I would say, to smaller businesses in this country.
8: But the flip side to that argument is all of us who who have 401ks have some segment of our our funds invested in these banks in in the financial market in one way or another. So if we just let them go belly up, then then you and I could see our retirements wiped out.
0: Yes, at this point, I really just have a 201k. So <laughs> right. you
8: know, it's really funny, Gene Musser. Found some guy on Wall Street who said that, uh, not Jeannie Moserver, I'm sorry, um, uh, Jeannie Moe's, you know, the, uh, I love Porter
0: Jeannie Mose, she's great.
8: Yes. Jeannie Mose found somebody on Wall Street, he's the guy said exactly that,
0: yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, all right, my friend, as always, have a great, are you on tomorrow?
8: Yes, I am. Uh, you know what's happening this weekend? The last day of the old Yankee Stadium.
0: Oh, that's right. Well, this is your last chance to steal. Yes. All right. Do you get like a bathroom tile or something for me?
8: Bathroom tiles might be doable. That's what in, I'm like, saying. A, a screwdriver or a utility knife. I think I could, could get it out.
0: I'm going to hang it next to the uh, bubble gum that Ozzy Osbourne chewed when he was here. Oh, very cool. All right. Thank you, Steve Kastenbaum. Yeah. All right. There you go, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen, in New York City and so forth. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, just a few moments here. We will be speaking with uh, CNN Radio Correspondent Bob Costantini. Uh, later on, we will have... Then, the hell else do we have? Is it not guest? Jim Roop? Oh, or is it Jim Roop? Wait, hold on.
2: It, goes, ah, it, it is Jim Rube. No, okay. you're right
0: about that. It is Jim, Jim Rube coming up next, uh, and then Bob Costantini. Uh, we will be speaking with him at 2:05. You are correct, and I am wrong, Sarah Dillon. Uh, later on today, we have a Jock Watch coming up, uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, we have High Concept Thursday and uh, Top Five, Top Five songs that spell things out. And by the way, I didn't, I didn't mean to laugh just now, but it was like right after I mentioned to Steve that you were picking like up a fork and cr- and cringing. Uh-huh. I saw you try to pick up your coffee cup. And then immediately go, yeah, yeah like and the, put the, it back down. A,
2: like, because I, I never hold it by the handle. I hold it around the, you know, around right. the cup. Oh, and it's just like shooting pain. Is it, is it swollen? Yeah.
0: Uh, that's no good. Oh yeah. Hey, can that, let's just talk about bad pain for a second. Here's two, here's two things that can happen to you that are incredibly painful. And I mean, we've talked about. We, I think just recently we spent like nine minutes talking about paper cuts. Let's move on from paper cuts. You know, here's two things. One of which is merely painful in a sort of vastly disproportionate sense. The other one is painful and then it makes you angry at the same time. The one that's just painful, Jerry it's not just stubbing your toe. Stubbing your toe, no fun. You walk into the kitchen, the bathroom, middle of the night, bam, toe into the leg of the coffee table. Did you ever do this though? And I used to do this all the time when I was growing up. I don't know why. I mean, as you pointed out yesterday, I can barely walk and talk at the same time now as an adult. When I was a kid man, I mean, it was like somebody had gone into my brain, you know, drilled into the side of my head and actually taken out my equilibrium center. It it wasn't even there. But we had this kitchen table and then kitchen chairs. And the legs of the chairs were long and skinny and made out of metal. And I was constantly, like once a day, doing this thing of either getting up from the table or walking by the table and in my bare feet. And I would – my foot would hit the bottom of the chair – and the little tiny skinny metal table leg would get, would go between like my small toe, your baby toe or whatever that is, you know, the one on the, and and the next toe, and it would be like, yeah, and it would sort of like, sort of like yank it over to the right. It would sort of bend my small toe. Well, you're still like, you're
2: constantly running into things.
0: I'm really nobody. You don't,
2: you don't pay any, I was, yeah, when I was telling you yesterday, you remind me of my friend's four-year-old kid who just like walks in and be like, and then, and then he'll be talking, but just looking at you so he won't be watching where he's walking and just run into things. You're constantly running into things. Yeah,
0: no, I, I mean, it's all I can do to hold a coffee cup and not just walk into doors. So there's that, and then here's the second thing, and this is the thing that hurts and then makes you sort of angry at the same time, and it is often when you are going down the stairs, or uh, bicycling to do this to you, or you're running or something, and it is the twisting of the ankle. The twisting of the ankle, first off, it hurts like a mother, and secondly, twisting the ankle makes you angry because you know that it's going to be effed for like the next three days, and when you twist your ankle, you then spend the next three, four, five hours going, I don't know. Maybe it's a hairline fracture. I don't know. How would I know it's a hairline fracture?
2: Have you ever broken one of your little toes? I've
0: never broken anything. I've never broken a bone. I've never broken a bone in my life. Uh, knock wood.
2: Well, that's uh, what I, that's what I did. Um, yeah, I was I was walking by a chair, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I hit my my, ah. my toe next to my big toe. Yeah. And it was just like crushed. I had to like tape them together. So it ah. eventually heals on its uh, own, uh, uh. but it.
0: Well, yeah, because they don't put, like, a cast on just one toe or something.
2: No, you just, like, I just bound it to the toe next to it. Yeah. And it just kind of hurt for a while. That's like when you
0: get your finger in a splint or something, right? Because they they do it with fingers. They'll, like, tape two of your fingers together Mm -hmm. or whatever, and then they put, like, that metal metal tongue depressor thing underneath. Uh, Twisting your ankle, though, and then you start to think to yourself, well, it's not broken because I can still stand. God, it hurts like a bitch, though. What is it? Maybe maybe a tiny fracture? If I have a hairline fracture, is it like my windshield? If I don't get it taken care of, is it going to spread? is this going to fracture my femur eventually? Is, and, then you just, you know, and then you're laying awake in bed at night going, am I going to get up to go to the bathroom and I'm going to put pressure on that and it's just going to splinter and then all of my oh, bones are going to split in half? You know, that's a, but those are the things you worry about. And so then what do you do? You just spend the next day and a half eh, limping around. And, and I have to tell you, nothing looks less manly than limping around. It's one thing if you've got a cast on. Like you got a cast. That's fine. You're on crutches. Fine. Cause you can be like, yeah, I broke it. Yeah, it's broken in 15 places, which is a thing that guys kind of like guys in a weird way. See, guys don't want any middle ground. Guys either want to be perfect health or guys want to have some gnarly injury that they can talk to other guys about because guys really bond over bad stuff happening to them. Yeah, nobody, you know, like nobody ever comes back and goes, "Hey, let me, uh, let me tell you about this visit of the doctor I had in which nothing was wrong with me. It was righteous. Nobody does that. Guys love though to come in and go, Yeah, yeah he told me that. Uh, yeah, he told me he's never seen a break this bad. Yeah, he, uh, he said it's lucky that my bones didn't just turn to powder. Yeah, I mean, but really, by all rights, I shouldn't even be alive right now. I, you know, he's, he said I could have lost this leg, but uh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll come back around. So guys love it when they've got a really bad injury, but limping is just, limping just makes you look is sort of like a sissy. Like when you're sort of limping along, oh, no, it's okay, no, ah, oh, ooh, ah. And then you just, and then you just feel like a wuss. So nobody likes that. Um. I had one other thing to say. Injuries, foot, broken, hairline. Well, clearly it wasn't that interesting or important. We should probably break here. Take a break. Come back after this. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth when we return. Uh, later on, we'll talk to CNN Radio Correspondent, Bob Costantini. Top five songs coming up later on the day. Top five songs that spell things. Uh, we will have High Concept Thursday. More of your phone calls. Glorious Pastor of the Week. And we'll give away a pair of tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into comedy. All right, here's the description, Sarah Dillon, because uh, you're a Jesus Christ Superstar neophyte. Here we go. Jesus Christ, this is from the uh, press release. We're going to be giving away tickets, by the way, to see Jesus Christ Superstar. It's going to be at the Schnitzer, December 2nd and 3rd. Tickets go on sale tomorrow uh, at the PCPA box office or at uh, Ticketmaster.com. Jesus Christ Superstar, says the press release, timeless and for our time, Jesus Christ Superstar. Sarah Dillon is the groundbreaking theatrical masterpiece by legendary writing team. Well, it's from the guy who makes everything, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Tim Rice. Uh, coming to the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall in Portland, December second. Uh, now, and the other reason it's significant is that Jesus Christ Superstar was, I do believe, the first collaboration between Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. and They did like a billion things together. Uh, but that was what like,
2: year was it made? Was it like the eighties?
0: Seventy? Oh no, it was like seventy-five. Tim earlier than that. When, when Jesus, Christ I think I get, I?
2: Com- I think I get got that confused with uh, Jesus and the, the Lion King. Color.
0: Oh, character. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor yeah, Dreamcoat. Oh, I,
1: I get that confused with Madonna nailed to the cross, but that has nothing to do with it.
3: It's time for Tim Riley the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
1: So, Jesus Christ Superstar started on Broadway yes. in 1971. All right. Okay. Then it was a 1973 film.
0: Any other questions? No, um, and it, but the let's see, and the film had Sorry. was Ted was Ted Neely the guy in the film playing Jesus? Uh. No,
9: I'm,
0: you know, for a bunch of Catholics, we really don't anything really about <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar. Can I tell you? Well, I should say, by the way, uh, that I was never not unlike Star Wars. I was not a, I was not allowed to see Jesus Christ Superstar uh, growing up because my mom thought it was sacrilegious. Uh, it was, and I think maybe a lot of sort of. Conventional Catholics and mm-hmm. other religious folks felt that way. The Jesus Christ Superstar was irreverent because again it is the story, you know, the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But it's told and you know, they say they look back now and they go, Well, I, you know, we didn't appreciate the Savior being told from the perspective of rock and roll music.
1: So I guess it had Mary Magdalene in it. Uh,
0: I believe and, so. And uh, Pontius Pilates. Pontius Pilates. There really ought to be some sort of there ought to be like a like a uh, like a Christian gym where you can do Pontius Pilates. That's the best joke of the day, Tim Riley. I don't care what anybody else says. We just started
1: the news hour. For the rest of the day... It just came for me like it was put there by God.
0: I'm just saying, uh, as though Jesus touched you deep inside. And Uh, you remember
1: that album cover, don't you? I have that. It's in every thrift shop everywhere. I have it on vinyl. Go into any Goodwill, you'll find it. I bought it in
0: Goodwill for a dollar.
1: They're everywhere. They never run out. Just make sure they're (laughs) well-stunned.
0: You know, for the story of Jesus, I paid $1. You know, Starship albums cost like $8.99. For Jesus, $1. It's because they want to make the word of... uh, Word of God available to everybody, but so. But they would. But my mom thought it was sacrilegious because. And I think the public high school down the street at one point was doing a production of Jesus Christ Superstar, which I don't think you could do now. I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think like if you were a public high school, I don't think that you could you could be doing Jesus Christ Superstars like the drama club production. I think that somebody'd file some, you know, some tight ass would file a lawsuit about that. Um, but so Jesus Christ Superstar came out. I wasn't allowed to see it because they thought it was disrespectful to tell the story of Jesus using rock music. But you listen to it now, and it's really only rock in the sort of biggest show tuney sense of the word. I mean, it's really, it's not like it's, you know, James Hetfield's Jesus or anything. Uh, and then there was Godspell, which I oh haven't day. seen. Yeah, and so I don't know anything about Godspell. Uh, and I, frankly, I haven't seen Jesus Christ Superstar in a long time anyway. So, oh,
1: well, listen to this. The first performance in Europe it was performed on the 25th of December. 1971 in Vilnius, Lithuania. Of course, the, the Soviet authorities found out and the performers were
0: prosecuted by the KGB. Well, that was probably the last performance. Prosecuted by the KGB. Prosecuted, I think, doesn't have the same meaning in that context that it does here in America. I think prosecuted means uh, ground up into small pieces. They by... that
1: little basement.
0: Yeah, exactly. The one window. Where Andy Sipowicz is waiting for you with a hose. Uh, anyway, so, um, well, here we go. L- internationally beloved star Ted Neely, best known for his Golden Globe-nominated role as Jesus in the film of Jesus Christ Superstar, will be headlining this tour of Jesus Christ Superstar. So there you go. And it's directed by the guy who did... See, it's all one big thing. Director uh, Dalit North did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and South Pacific. So there you go. They are calling Jesus Christ Superstar the original rock opera. And I'm not entirely sure that that's true. But, all right, so there you go. But that was from... That was, I think, at the very beginning of what we later termed the Jesus freak era, mm-hmm. which it was sort of through the the 70s, and I think maybe the late 70s is when that kind of died out. But right.
1: Je- Jesus loves smelly people with long hair.
0: That's exactly. And, and then jesus And Jesus freaks were basically they were They're sort everywhere. of well, but they were kind of they weren't even really necessarily hippies like 60s hippies. Jesus freaks were sort of, uh, in my in my recollection, Jesus freaks were kids that were a little too young for Woodstock, maybe kids that were. 15 when Woodstock happened so by the time the 70s roll around you know they're 17 18 19 20 and they sort of you know they became just they were just a very sort of freakish aggressive strength of christianity yes and then valerie bertinelli played a jesus freak i think on one day at a time but then by the end of the episode she'd sort of uh she'd come to her senses the long-ass discussion of jesus christ superstar what are you gonna do here's tim riley
1: well i think we started out trying to prove something did we end up proving it
0: what were we trying to prove? I don't know. Well, Sarah was just asking us what it was, and I was pointing out that it wasn't. Uh, that it wasn't ironic. It was a It was a very straightforward uh, presentation of the life of Jesus, in the sense that it's not being played for a gag. And that Herod. We'll play Herod's song later on. Herod's song is my, uh, and not just because uh, Alice Cooper once did a great version of it. Herod song is, I think, probably my favorite song, uh, because it's just uh, you know it's, it's kind of sinister and yet the uh, and yet sort of you know jocund all at once. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Here's Tim Riley. So
1: let's talk about the moon again, because everybody's talking about it.
0: It is relatable, Tim. You know what? You see the moon. I see the moon. You have a nose. I have a nose. It's like we're soulmates.
1: So the last few nights, I'm walking the dog. I said, that moon looks like it's on fire
0: or <laughs> out of order, or just running away or something. Like Red Adair as if they're capping an oil well?
1: I, I mean, it looks like something from uh, a video or something. Yeah. So it's red or orange, depending on where you are. And uh, apparently it's due to all the smoke from all these forest fires. The worst of which right now is the Nal Ridge Fire, spelled G-N-A-L. It is on the east slope of Mount Hood. The Northwest Interagency Coordination Center spokesperson, Jerry Mills, says the Narl Fire has been contained for uh, almost a month now. So The I-
9: interior
10: of that has been smoldering around ever since. for well, this unstable air hitting caused it to put up a great big plume and put spots out ahead of it and then extreme fire behavior and that fire is now up to eighteen hundred acres.
1: So uh this is the gnarled fire. Then there's uh another one called the rattle fire. That sounds awful childish but it is there's
10: not a lot of um homes in that area but just a few. And so those folks have been evacuated for now. Like I said, it's just two two homes over in there. Um, the other areas are still on
1: alert. Well, okay. So it looks like you know half of Oregon is burning down, but we're kind of far from it.
0: So you know, we get a lot of eventually. we get a lot of trees to go around. We're not we're not short on trees. And that's why the moon is orange. No no no, 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 I think it settles that. All right, excellent.
1: So enough stories about the moon.
0: Quit asking about it. All moon any moon requests or queries are going to go right into our mental spam folders.
1: Uh, then there was a fire last night. That uh, destroyed a Clackamas wood plant. It sent smoke and flames hundreds of feet in the air. This is International Wood Products at 14421 Southeast 98th Court. It could be seen for miles. It started around 9 o'clock. It tore through the wood and plastic products inside the warehouse, which posed a major challenge for firefighters. Who wants to breathe that stuff, really? At the peak of the fire, 100 firefighters are battling it and flames. are shooting 100 feet into the air. It
0: seems unlikely that anything truly international is based in Clackamas, but maybe that's just my reading of the situation. You
1: never know. Could yeah. yeah. The CIA could be there for all we know. Nobody
0: would suspect. We should spread that rumor. Well, do you remember when we were next door at Fisher and there was that floor we weren't allowed to go to? Oh, yeah, the top floor. And what's funny is Jim Ladd tells a story just like this in Radio Waves. Uh, but, this, but this is true. When we were next door... At KOTK uh, in the Fisher Building, it's that building next to. If you've been to the KUFO building, it's that building looks like a big cheese grater next door. Mm-hmm. And we were on what Comcast first floor. We were on what, the second floor. Third. Third floor. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, somebody was on the second floor, but then it was a fourth floor. And when I got the gig, the first thing told me was like, "Don't go to the fourth floor." And I said, "Oh, he's at the you know why?" And they go, "Don't ask." That Ron Carter, the general manager, he's like, "Just uh, just just don't go to the fourth floor." And I said, "Well." Okay. Any particular? Is there toxic material being stored there? And he goes, No. It's uh, they've just asked us not to let anybody go to the fourth floor. And so I'm asking you, just uh, stay away from the fourth floor, and just uh, you know, just don't even really think about it. Just kind of forget it exists. And then they never, but they, they never told me why. The whole time I worked there, they never told me what was on the fourth floor. I just knew I wasn't allowed to go there. So maybe that was the CIA. Can you go there now? If we went over afterwards, may we go to the fourth floor? Hey, you know, you know th- 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 speaking of that, I always have kind of wanted to go back to see whatever became of that studio space next door. Because we have these really wonderful studios that Mike Everhart built, and I think they just got they gutted. Of the art. Yeah, they just got turned into a cubicle farm or something. There were only two radio stations on that entire floor. That's unheard of. Yeah, the best part was after everybody left but us, and we just had to run of the place, man. Mm-hmm. What have I done? I've done something. To Hi, Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
11: Hey, guys. Uh, real quick on the top five today. Yes, sir. Thing Called Love by Pulp. Okay. Uh, it's all spelled out in the title, and the, they spell it out in the background in the uh, in the song.
0: I think right yesterday's top five, top five songs that spell things. And by the way... We
2: love an excuse to play Pulp.
0: We do. And it's can true. I also say that I can now already see that this is going to be a top five that pleases no one, because we've had like 50 suggestions, and I don't think any of them were initially on the list. So now I'm just going to be doing that thing of rewriting the list like right up until the moment when we launch it, and then everybody's still going to be unhappy and they're going to storm the building and pillory me. So, you know, I'm just going to use them with that now. What's your second point, sir?
11: Uh, second point, uh, this is the final thing I will say. Goodbye. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. All right, there you go. By the way, for
0: Jesus Christ Superstar tickets later on, not right now, uh, you will have your option of playing musical trivia, the in, 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 trivia about a musical, uh, or Bible trivia. That will be your choice, Bible trivia or musical trivia. So that's coming up later on. Here's Tim Right. That
1: does sound challenging.
0: Yes, it does, Tim.
1: An 8-year-old boy, home alone and hungry, accidentally started a fire at his family's home in Camas. The boy decided to make some eggs on the stove and then left the house without turning the burner off. The fire started around 3.30. Somebody called 911 after seeing smoke and flames. Uh, Fire crews got there in 10 minutes. That the flames, but not after the fire caused about uh, $25,000 damage. So he's probably 8 years old, left alone to make eggs. What can you do? Then we have this uh, boy hurt while playing the... uh, the choking game. Is this related? To play? Is this
0: a follow-up to the fainting game?
1: Oh, wait a minute. is this the choking game or the fainting game? I think F- some of these kids call it uh, the fainting game. Some the choking game.
0: Do either of them have a song uh, by Petula Clark that accompanies it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Wait, who's that? Did she sing the name game. Who sang Uh-oh. the name game?
1: It wasn't her. The name game. Oh God,
0: this is going to be one of those days where everything I say then has like a little two next to it, and then we got to like footnote it to see because it's going to bug us otherwise. This is like the Ruben James. Furland fields of my mind thing.
1: The name game or the banana song was a children's sing-along. It was sung by singer Sherry Ellis or Shirley Ellis.
0: Shirley Ellis, that's right, that's right, Shirley Ellis. She it was released it. in late
1: 1964 as the name game. It went to number three in the Billboard Hot 100, number four the magazine's R&B charts.
0: Oh, <laughs> I think we did actually have a news story that prompted us. I was just going to say, I and now, about the moon again. as I was thinking about the name game. And how uh, in my head Shirley Ellis Petula Clark and Little Eva, who all they all kind of get blended into what like I can never really tell them apart. They the, the all those three female singers are all the same in my head. All right, yes about the moon Tim Riley.
1: Well a student at Lake Ridge High School in Lake Oswego passed out, so he passed out from what some call the fainting game which is actually the choking game. He was practicing a chokehold with a friend. A school district spokeswoman said two boys were using choke coals that they saw in ultimate fighting on television. One of the boys passed out, collapsed on the floor, and hit his head. He was taken to the school's health room, and paramedics later arrived to take him to a hospital. The boy didn't suffer any significant injuries. News of the incident spread to his classmates. They were saying to each other, let's see how long we can hold each other's throats and see how hard we can do it, said one of the students. And one of them passed out. The school's principal asked Paris to warn the children not to play the choking or the fainting game.
0: Right, so this isn't really a choking or fainting game. This is just like a dude grabbing another dude in a headlock and holding him there until he loses consciousness. Right. All right, that's just a fancy...
1: Known as the fainting game.
0: You know what it is, Tim? That's just a fancy name for roughhousing. That's what that is. Roughhousing itself, a kinder, gentler term for grab-ass, which is what they used to tell us not to play at recess. I don't so, think they talk that way in Lake Oswego. No, they don't, Tim. Uh, they they actually don't even have asses in Lake Oswego. It's a, It's a little known fact. They don't have any bathroom activities of any kind in Lake Oswego, just small pink cubes that smell like roses. That's what they extrude. Here's the thing. So that's the choking game, but I don't think that's the same thing as the fainting game. Wasn't the fainting game this fiction they were spinning where kids were just holding their breath until they fell over?
1: Okay, then let me read another story. A student from Lake Ridge High School is injured in the fainting game. One of two teens playing the fainting game at Lake Ridge High School in Lake Oswego hit his head after passing out. The, gang, uh, the game involves one person trying to cut off the oxygen supply to the other, and able to enable them to get a high or a rush before passing out. Paramedics would call to the school and examine the unidentified student who was taken to the local hospital. The school principal emailed parents in the district, alerting them to the incident. They asked them to discuss the dangers of the painting game with their children. Now... This one is the fainting game. This one is the choking game.
0: And by the way, both of them are examples of why we will never win the stupid drug war in this country. How old are these kids? Is this high school, grade school, middle school? Uh, high school. High school. So you've got kids in high school who are so desperate to find some sort of a high that they're actually having a friend come and choke them out until they pass out unconscious. That is why the drug war. Well and good. Yeah. That's why the drug war cannot be won. Uh, it's
1: the same story that's, you so know, Make of your mind Is it the handy game Or the choking uh, game You
0: know Idiots who want to get Some high off something dangerous Are going to be idiots Who get a high off Doing something dangerous Never going to get around it Never going to stop it Might as well Might as well stop trying
1: Even in Lake Oswego
0: That's what I'm saying Tim
1: So uh are both the same thing no. Do I have anything else here To tell you about uh,
0: No more moon stories
1: no, Not for now We'll bring the moon back A little bit later
0: Alright by the way Patool Clark is the white one
1: She's a white woman
0: yeah, well, but I was just saying that singing-wise, Little Eva and Petula Clark and Shirley Ellis were all blending together in my head. So guy okay. emails in, it's subject line: Let me narrow it down. Petula Clark is the white one. There you go. And didn't she? And Petula Clark did the don't don't stand in the subway or don't whatever. Don't sleep in the subway. Don't sleep in the subway. Baby. Yeah. Don't don't and, wash your face with chloride. The
1: other one was uh, downtown. All
0: right. Here's Tim Riley.
1: A long view man hit a detective with his car and then dragged the officer behind the vehicle. The detective was trying to arrest her, Raymond Rutherford. When the suspect reportedly ran for his car and jumped into the driver's seat, then Rutherford backed into the, to the uh, detective. At one point, the detective somehow got stuck on the car and was dragged down an alley. But he managed to pull out a gun. Wow, that's just like MacGyver. The detective was able to draw his weapon and fire into the vehicle. The Excellent. suspect stopped, knocked the detective off the car. Then the suspect ran in his car once again, but officer was able to stop him. He had a female passenger jumped out and ran. Didn't get far. He was captured. Rutherford has been booked into jail for assault and deadly weapon and theft charges. He's failed $200,000. Then in uh, Clark County, as if cars aren't dirty enough, they want to ban car washing. Cars in Clark County may be driving around dirtier than usual. If a proposed new car washing ban is passed in Clark County, the state of Washington is telling the county and cities like the Coupe and Battleground to ban car washing on the street by next summer. That's because soap and chlorinated water can run into storm drains and nearby streams. The State Ecology Department representative said the car wash ban is based on the Federal Clean Water Act, where Clark County drivers are divided on the issue. Some drivers who wash their own cars say they understand the concept of not sending soap from their car washing down into streams, but they don't know how much uh, difference that is. So uh, at one commercial car wash, the operator said the oil and detergents are treated before the water goes down the drain, Unlike what happens when water just comes down the driveway.
0: Now, do you, do you, now let's not identify any car wash by name, obviously, but but when a car wash says something like that, because you do see every now and again you'll see ads to this to this effect where they say, you know, if you uh, if you wash your car in your driveway, you're you're killing baby dolphins. You don't want to kill baby dolphins, do you? And seals. You're killing seals by the dozens. And then they cut to, like, come to our place, and, like, after we wash your car, we treat everything. And don't you sort of just immediately suspect that that's not true? Right. It just seems made up. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's like bottled water companies who keep all this weird puffery where they want to try to convince you that their water is somehow not just tap water, which it all is. It's all just tap water, all of it, every bit of it. And so that's my thing about the car washes. I have a figure it just goes into one big drain underneath. But here's a further question for you, Tim. Yes. So do storm drains then, what, does that just, like, go into the ocean or something? Yeah. Now, I Eventually. thought that, so why do storm drain, in other words, why does a storm drain not go to the same place that, like, I don't know, like your toilet flushes to? I would figure they would treat all the water, like, at once.
1: That is a good question. I'm not sure
0: about that. All right. So answer
1: the moon question.
0: I, I guess you can't be expected <laughs> to do everything, i worked Tim, on that one tonight. Because I think, I don't know if this is here, I think this is in California they have this, but in California they have these guilt-trippy things that they put right above the storm drain, and it's a stencil, uh, literally a stencil of a dolphin. And the dolphin has a little, like, balloon above his head, and 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 he's saying, you know, like, don't dump oil. I live downstream. And it's like, and so if you were getting ready to to dump something into the storm, do you look, and then you just feel like a tool, and then you don't do it, and I guess you just... But then I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. You have a bunch of oil to throw away. Where are you supposed to put that?
1: In your neighbor's yard when they're away.
0: Good for... Okay, there you go. So see, now I know. Uh, So I guess maybe they don't have that here, but the storm drains apparently just go into the river. All right, well... I guess it is the next logical step after telling you you can't smoke anywhere. Now you'll be told that you actually cannot wash your own car in your driveway. It's the, the nanny's state. That's what it is, Tim. Anything you can think, the government can think for you better. Here's Tim Riley.
1: A Utah couple is charged with aggravated assault after a brawl broke out between neighbors attending a baby shower. They had identified husband and wife, ages 35 and 40, were charged with aggravated assault after police say. The woman approached a neighbor and struck her with a shovel, knocking her unconscious during a baby shower in Salt Lake. Police said the woman's husband pulled a shotgun from a truck and swung it at the other attendees. He faces an additional charge of interference with the arresting officer after officials said he resisted arrest. Uh, the neighbor who was talking unconscious was uh, revived when police arrived, according to the neighbor. So that is kind of strange. Salt Lake City. So somebody with a gun and a shovel. How the egg beater could power the future. From Holland, the uh, the country famous for its windmills, comes a new design for home wind power. Looks like an egg beater. It spins more quietly and at lower wind speeds than a lot of traditional propeller-type turbines. It is now standard for big wind turbines to have propeller blades. Much of the turning force is generated at the tips, which slice through the air, causing a swooshing noise, and some residents nearby have said they find it unnerving. By contrast, the so-called energy ball... Sold by the Dutch-based Home Energy International has rotors bent around the ball shape, so they move parallel to the wand. This generates less noise. A small wind turbine has to be silent, otherwise it's annoying to the community. The noise from the energy ball is always less than the sound of the wind.
0: Do not taunt energy ball. Mm
1: -hmm. And what's more, the device continues to work even when the wind speeds dip below, say, uh, 4.5 miles an hour, whereas the average turbine roughly needs... Twice that wind speed.
0: This is like a story we had yesterday about some 12-year-old that's created some super thing of the future that's going to harness the sun or whatever.
1: So the energy ball uh, constricts the wind, thereby causing the pressure to drop inside its balls. This sucks in air, following around the ball, and helps turn the roller blades. Because of the sucking action, the turbines use more of the wind and can therefore be 40% more efficient than a propeller-type turbine.
0: To what extent are you reading this word-for-word from the article?
1: All of it. It's can, a scientific journal. Can I, can I see that for just a I moment? Like to try it again.
0: And it's from Fox News, of course. That's fantastic. So I,
1: start, I left out parts of it because I didn't want it to be too confusing.
0: All right. You don't, you don't know no, it is. It is the, um, this sucks in air flowing around the ball. Mm-hmm. Because of this sucking action. That's great. Thank you, Fox News. All right. That's wonderful. All right, by artist representation of the balls, <laughs> <laughs> says this photograph.
1: That's wonderful. Excellent. The all balls right.
0: are Here's Tim Riley. Uh,
1: some of the missing people in the Hurricane Ike area may have been swept out to sea. Now, weren't these people warned? And why should we be looking for them?
0: Well, weren't they told they were going to face certain death?
1: Uh-huh. Or at least certain inconvenience. Venience, venience. Well, apparently 6,000 refused to leave. The death toll is remarkably low so far, and that's because all these people are missing. They were probably swept out to sea, and this is after they denied uh, to uh, listen to the evacuation orders. And the number of people missing after the storm, the death toll already stands at 16, is fluctuating. Search and rescue crews clear it out after plucking survivors around Galveston and uh, the devastated peninsula. Authorities are relying on the Red Cross workers and beach patrols to run welfare checks on people whose uh, relatives called and, well, they, they said, please knock on somebody's door. We don't know what's out there in the winds. Searchers weren't looking for bodies. They were looking for survivors. As the hurricane closed in, the authorities estimated that 90,000 people ignored the orders. 90,000 people. I guess so. And another 6,000 refused to leave. Nobody is suggesting that tens of thousands died. But all these people are missing.
0: So wait. So they were there. Now they're not there. And now nobody knows, like, the deal. That is correct. All right. So doesn't it... Well, there's, there's one of two options. Either they were just swept out to sea after being told to leave and then That's deciding they, they didn't think. want to do that... Mm-hmm. Or they're all just up with Jesus and Kurt Cameron right now. Oh, that could be Just could leaving be. empty cars behind on the superhighway by the dozens. All right.
1: Uh, Morgan Stanley, the second largest independent U.S. securities firm, uh, may be bought out by the Chinese. Well, they have a lot of money. China's state control fund may buy as much as 49% of the New York-based investment bank, but decline to identify just how much is going on here. Morgan Stanley, uh, led by Chief Officer John Mack and part of the Goldman Sachs Group, is the biggest U.S. security firm. It tumbled the most ever yesterday as a deepening credit crunch. Fuel concerns about funding sources. Uh, Morgan Stanley shares plunged 42% this week. And that, that was after the uh, Lehman Brothers uh, went down the drain. Uh, Morgan Stanley may be looking for a suitor, says Roger Lister, a credit analyst. But I'm not sure whether a merger with the bank can solve the problem. So why not with the Red Chinese? They're really? not communists.
0: Really? I was thinking, how could, that possibly, how could that possibly end badly for us?
1: A Swiss gastronomist has stirred a controversy in the tranquil Alpine Republic after announcing that he will serve meals cooked with human breast milk. Oh. The owner of the mm. historic restaurant at the exclusive Rintathor Resort will improve his menu with local specialties such as meat stew, various <laughs> soups and sauces, and mother's milk.
0: It doesn't first of all, it doesn't really seem like meat stew can be a real, a lo- like a local specialty anywhere. That seems like calling, that's like calling a bowl of meat a local delicacy.
1: Uh, The Food Control Authority in Switzerland was initially confused by the apparent luke poll in local legislation regarding the use of human milk, and it wasn't clear uh, whether it would actually be banned from serving this.
0: The secret ingredient is mom. Uh,
1: Humans as producers of milk are simply not engaged in the legislation.
0: Yeah.
1: They're on a, a list of approved species, such as cows and sheep, but not on the list at restaurants. Well, Okay. They also banned uh, milk from apes and primates.
0: This is a good time to take a break. Uh, take a break. Come back after this. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, later on, we will have Cena radio correspondent, Bob Costantini, joining us with the top five songs that spell things out, Glorious Master of the Week, and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on today, seeing a radio correspondent, Bob Noodles Costantini. Uh, we'll also have a, a Geek Watch, Jock Watch. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? We'll have the top five songs that spell stuff out. Uh, top five songs that spell things. This, however, is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth.
11: Hundreds
1: of people have tried to creep a strip club opening in Tualatin. Concerned citizens gathered at a meeting at the Tualatin Police Department to protest the club's license. Neighbors and business owners say they're ready to fight. They say it's too close to a residential area. Authorities say it's unlikely the city will deny the application. A statement issued from the city says they don't have the authority to restrict the location of an adult business. Oregon's laws protect freedom of expression, which makes it difficult to regulate strip clubs. And besides, Jiggles is right down the street. They don't need second.
0: Where is this at? Tualatin. Oh, well, is that now, is that like on the way to, uh, wait, where is to Walton? Is it on the way to Wilsonville?
1: Past Wilsonville? Well, it's in that general area. It's a
0: Pleasantville area. <laughs> yes, it is, Tim. And not just pleasant because of the boobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hello, hi, hey.
12: Yes, um, why don't you have a, a Utah Salt Lake Sounder?
0: Oh, you mean for like stories from Salt Lake?
12: Yeah.
0: Now we could do that, because didn't that, that story about the gun and the uh, shovel and the whatever, that was from Salt Lake, right? Well, uh, I, uh,
12: I give unto you to be the salt of the earth. But if the salt shall lose its savor, where then shall the earth be salted? Uh huh. That's from the Book of Mormon.
0: Ah, okay, see, yes. so i
12: And you look like Ira Glass to me. Really? Yes. Ira yes. Glass? Wait, is Ira
0: Glass the This American Life guy?
12: Yes. yes.
1: Is that good? Sure. Sam, is that good? Oh, it's
12: excellent.
1: But well, I mean, he's a fine journalist and he does good stories. I
0: will say that mm-hmm. much for him. Oh, thanks
1: so but much. You don't sound like
0: him. All right. Dustin, we... Wait.
12: Dust in the Wind.
0: Wait, hold on. Do I sound like
12: Ira Glass no, or do I
0: look like, like Ira Glass? You
12: look like him.
0: All right, hold on. Let's stay on the. Don't go anywhere. You stay I can on the totally farmer's side. That. Wait. Yeah. Look him up right you now. You
12: do. Hey, Sarah.
0: Ira Glass.
12: Yeah. Um,
2: yes, yeah. Ira Glass.
0: All right, hold on. I like his
2: glasses. You should go for more of his kind of glasses look.
0: So when people ask me what celebrity you do most closely resemble, I don't have to say Ira Blossom. Glass. I can say Ira Glass.
12: Mm, definitely. He
0: looks way smarter than I am.
12: Well, I really like his glasses a lot. A lot. I don't think I could wear put those. Put the though. horn rims
0: on. I can't make those. I can't rock those glasses. Those would not work for me.
12: And then you know you you put your head up, your your neck up, and you look very. Uh
0: regal. All right. You know who he also looks like? He also kind of looks like Peter Benchley, author of Jaws.
12: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: really? All right. Hmm. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, by All right. I appreciate it. All right. So we started off with a watch suggestion. We went through quotes from the Book of Mormon, and then we ended up with me looking like this American Life host, Ira Glass. I guess I could see that. It, here's the thing. I don't, really, I don't really know much about him. Is he British? No. He's okay. American. But doesn't he look British? He looks British. Yeah, he, I wouldn't know. He looks unbelievable, especially this one where he's sitting there with his arms crossed. Uh, he's sitting there with his arms crossed, and maybe the British look it derives from, like, the fact that he's got his shirt unbuttoned, like, halfway down his chest, mm-hmm. and no shirt underneath it.
2: Well, it kind of almost has, like, a Jarvis Cocker look, too.
0: I can see that. He does look very British. All right. Which is sort of an odd thing when you think about it. Like, what, what makes somebody look British or not?
9: Mm-hmm. That's
0: a whole lot of weird random. All right. Well, there you go. Ira Glass, and or Blossom, and or Richard Belzer, and or, what's his guts? Richard Dreyfus, like, uh... You know, like Richard Draper on the Jaws era. All right, here's Tim Riley.
1: Another Utah story from Payson. Gary Coleman is heading to a Payson court at the end of the month to face reckless driving charges and disorderly conduct too after running over a Spanish fork man at a bowling alley. On top of the criminal charges, Colter Rushton, the man whom Coleman allegedly hit, is suing the former different Stroke star for medical bills, pain, and suffering. Coleman is claiming he was attacked paparazzi-style for photographs of the bowling alley by Rushton. Rushing claims he was just a fan trying to get a picture. Coleman has yet to uh, be issued a summons to appear in
0: court. First of all, A, does it seem unlikely to you, as it does to, I think, everyone with a brain, that the paparazzi would be rushing Gary Coleman anywhere right now? Especially at a bowling alley, and especially at a bowling alley in Payson. I think any one of these things makes the story ever so slightly unbelievable. All three of these things make it just flat out absurd. So, there you go. Here's Tim Riley.
1: So, uh, let's talk about the economy. Because that's what's on people's minds.
0: Everyone wants to talk about the economy, Tim.
1: So, so far, the Dow is going back up, but it fell nearly 450 points yesterday. Ken Shreve of Investors Business Daily offers his thoughts on the government bailout of AIG.
6: Unfortunately, it was a move that was uh, that was needed. Uh, AIG has exposure all over the world. Of course, it's a Dow component, so it carries a lot of weight in the market. And uh, apparently they needed about $85 billion, $90 billion in, in cash uh, almost immediately.
1: Well, you might as well give some advice. Every other talking head is.
6: It's really about protecting capital. So you don't want to watch small losses turn into big losses. And, you know, raising cash right now and getting out of the market's way is a a very, very
1: sound strategy. So Donald Trump, who really is nowhere near as successful as he claims to be, is uh, giving everyone advice. Here he is called a financial guru. He's blaming just about everyone for the recent turmoil on Wall Street. A lot of
6: people were making crazy deals, and you can blame everybody, even the regular consumer that went out and bought a house and got a mortgage that was ridiculous. You know, we call them exploding mortgages. But you can really blame a lot of people, and I guess you can maybe just blame the Times.
0: The New York times? <laughs> Thanks so much for that penetrating insight. Donald Trump, he really, you know, he's the living embodiment of that. Just uh, keep saying that you're an expert on something long enough, and then suddenly everybody begins to believe that it's true. It's a Jedi mind thing he's doing there.
2: I don't understand. Like, so he's not successful? Because when I was in New York... And riding my bike up the west side, every single building that I looked at said, like, Trump Industries, Trump Industries, for like blocks and blocks. Does he own like a billion buildings? Well, he
0: puts his name on stuff, but then it always seems to go bankrupt. That's yeah. the deal. It's like yeah. he like, sort of. He these
2: huge office buildings. He's enormous. And it was just stack after stack of them for blocks and blocks. So I'm like, I, I was kind of confused because I don't really know exactly what it is he does.
0: Yeah, that's, well, see, that was the other thing. Is I think a lot of people have said, like, what, what, who are you? What do you do? He's right. the sort of Mr. Blackwell of the finance world, I think. And the people are a little unsure about where he comes by this but i mean he certainly has his name on a lot of buildings and he owns a lot of stuff but it does seem especially a couple years ago for like every six months you would see a story about how he was having to file for chapter whatever protection from something or other Yeah,
1: he's always over his head
0: yeah because he had like nine businesses that would go under so i don't know maybe you know maybe he's just always one step ahead of bankruptcy maybe he just opens stuff faster than they can take it away from him
1: he gets a second chance like every day
0: he really does all right, well, that you know what it is? Donald Trump is just like that thing we were saying yesterday about how when you're broke, nobody will ever give you anything. As soon as you're rich, suddenly everybody can't wait to buy you lunch. So now that Donald Trump loses billions of, And when you think about it, this Donald Trump thing is sort of a microcosm of this whole financial situation right now. As I was saying, if you run some taco stand, you lose 25 grand... The government's not going to come in and give you hundred grand to keep running the taco thing. You lose a billion dollars in some bank because you, you can't quite run it properly. government can't wait to give you money, cannot wait to give you a handout. So it is with Donald Trump. Uh, you know, you just know some guy, some private citizen, files bankruptcy. They're effed for like nine years. Donald Trump just loses billions of dollars. Uh, and they just keep letting him put his name on skyscrapers. The whole thing is very mystifying.
1: He said, now's the time to buy a house. The money is already there. Go out and make a deal. The banks want to unload their
6: stock. They have thousands and millions of houses. Go out, see what they have, get yourself a great house. They will give you financing.
0: Does this seem like shrewd advice to you, Tim Riley? That part, yes. Okay, all right. I don't really know. I have to run everything by you because you're sort of my financial filter. you, You want to buy low, and right now it doesn't get any lower than it is now. Now, do you believe we're at the bottom?
1: We're pretty close to it.
0: Do you believe the bottom is in sight? Yes. Yeah, there was a, that was a whole discussion last night on Larry King about whether we are closer to the bottom than we are the top. Uh,
1: but, I mean that's not great, knowledgeable advice from Donald Trump. Everybody knows that. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, well, it's elementary,
0: right? Really. The other guy was it was it was Donald Trump. Because it's Donald Trump saying it, it's like gospel. And it was some other guy, and his name escapes me. You know what I'm talking about? That guy was on Larry King, like bald head, pink tie, glasses. Looks sort of Ah, uh, looks a little bit like an alien gray but it but seemed to know what he was talking about. He was sort of like an alien meets Mr. Clean. So that was the guy last night and then next to him was Dave Ramsey. And I do like Dave Ramsey. You know, he's sort of a likeable guy, but Dave Ramsey his whole shtick is that he's like um, you know, he's like just just a country boy. And um, you know, and so they were they were talking about whatever and you know, Dave Ramsey would go, "Well, you know, we're going to get through this. It's always darkest before the dawn." Larry and uh, if I were you, I'd be uh, I'd be putting all my money in hog bellies or whatever, you know, whatever his advice is. But his whole thing is just, you know, to relax. And he always says a lot of things like, well, what you want to do, first of all, when you're facing bankruptcies, uh, you got this is really the way that you you make it in this world is you just come up with a bunch of homespun garbage (laughs) that doesn't really mean anything, but it sounds like really deep. And so Dave Ramsey will talk. And again, he's very successful. God love him. But he'll talk to these people who have like real financial problems. And Dave Ramsey will say things like, well, look, you're you're looking down the barrel of 12 gauge bankruptcy right now, and that's not a good place to be. So it's like dancing with a blue jay. <laughs> you know, declaring bankruptcy is like, uh, you know, it's like wrestling with a pig. You know, you get dirty, and the pig likes it. And so, really, there's picking <laughs> your teeth with a threshing machine. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ends with the big stupid advice that helps you not at all. He goes, so really, when you're facing this kind of financial crunch, uh, the most important thing is you want to stop and take a deep breath. That's really what you want to do right now. And then he blah 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 blah. Jesus, because that's like his other thing, right? Is that he's like the homespun guy who tells you that you can, you know, that Jesus will get you. Jesus will get you out of like your mortgage that you can't possibly cover. So, there, which really only works if you're an actual church, by the way. Here's Tim Riley.
1: Well, Michelle Obama asked voters to make their choice on the issues, not because I like that guy or she's cute. Uh, Perhaps she's talking about Sarah Palin, what, the guy or she's cute. Barack Obama's wife, however, is not on the ticket for the presidential election. Palin is. Michelle uh, Obama is part of a concerted effort involving her husband. And also, uh, apparently Joe Biden is speaking every now and then, but nobody's really talking to anyone. And the media doesn't get any, uh, can't even get close to any of these candidates anymore. That's the end of that. So uh, John McCain's, of course, a new federal law package for domestic automakers. He toured a GM assembly plant in Orion uh, Township, Michigan, during a campaign stop yesterday. And uh, he said, well, he he is pledging, yes, pledging, that's what he said yesterday, to uh, do his best to get all these automakers a little bit of money. How much? Uh, I think it's $25 million. So I'm here
6: to send a message message to Washington and to Wall Street. We're not going to leave the workers here in Michigan hung out to dry while we give billions in taxpayers' dollars to Wall Street. We're going to take care of the workers. The workers—they're the ones that deserve our help.
0: And he's been saying workers like every other word, oh, of course. Lately, yeah, because he knows. It. Well, because he had that thing he said uh, on the 15th, which is like when everything just started to go, turn to ashes. Mm-hmm. And he made that statement about the fundamentals of our economy are strong, which. I'm not even really sure what he means by that, but it sounds like a thing you shouldn't be saying right about now. I mean, I guess if you want to say the fundamentals of our economy are strong in the sense that capitalism generally kind of works better than socialism, I suppose that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but saying the fundamentals of our economy are strong in front of an open microphone on a day when, like, everybody on earth is losing their jobs, that doesn't really seem like the shrewdest thing. And so, of course, what immediately happened is the Obama campaign just excerpted it, stuck it in an ad, played it like a billion times. Well,
1: oh, let me see if this might be it. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine. I'm on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. I'm unemployed. Bloodbath here yesterday, Senator.
8: As you know, a 500-point drop. You said the fundamentals of the economy are strong. Our economy, I think, still... The fundamentals are, of our economy are strong. Yet your campaign has released an ad saying that the economy is in crisis. Yesterday, in the space of a few
1: hours, you made a fairly dramatic shift. I want to make sure I have this straight now. People crave certainty in uncertain times. To clarify this for me. It doesn't seem as if both things can
8: be true.
6: Well, it's obviously true that the workers of America are the fundamentals of our economy and our strength and our future. And I believe in the American worker. The fundamentals of our economy are the American worker. I said. The fundamental of our economy is the american worker the
1: American
0: worker is uh-huh. so that 's
1: like a whole day 's worth of the American worker See, The
0: American worker is the fundamental backbone of uh, of our economy and pandering to middle America is the fundamental backbone of everyone 's campaign, not just uh, not just McCain by the way no because obama's doing the you know he's doing the same thing he's out there and he's have you noticed this too with with Obama that depending on where he is, the shirt sleeves are either down or up. I saw him talking in San Francisco. And his shirt sleeves down, and I think cufflinks. I could be wrong about that. think I saw big, like, silver cufflinks. And then he's got, you know, the gray tie and, you know, whatever. Um, but then I saw him speaking in, you know, Corn Bucket, you know, Corn Bucket, Iowa. And he's there, and he's doing that thing of, like, the shirt sleeves rolled up. But, like, I got my shirt sleeves kind of rolled up now, but they're you know, just very neatly folded back twice. Mm-hmm. He's doing that thing of rolling the shirt sleeves up but like, sort of shoving them up. Like, he does the one fold and then shoves them up to his ankle. As though he's been out like f- fixing a tire by the side of the road, or you know, uh, out there out there oiling up the combine so we can bring in tonight's crops. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. And then Joe Biden is just banished. Have you even seen that guy? Apparently, he speaks somewhere, but nobody pays much attention. Nobody pays much attention. You know why, Tim? No vagina. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
1: Hi. I uh, did
10: you were you still looking for any suggestions for the top five?
0: Uh, why not? It's let me just say this. I was let, let me look at some of these. Uh, here's what I've gotten. Uh, just since the beginning of the program here, hold on a second. Let me let me scroll down just one second here, and uh, and then we will get the then we will get your submission. I long- also
9: had
10: a convention about a previous top five. Yes, sir. You did five songs based on books. Yeah. Where was Killing an Arab by the Cure?
0: Is that based on a book?
10: That's based on The Stranger by
0: Camus. Oh, see, I didn't know. Uh, and somebody also told me. That Leviathan by Mastodon is based on Moby Dick, and just for metal fans in the house, I disqualified that one because it's a whole album, not just one song. Uh, Let's see here. So here's what we got so far. Uh, We've got, I mean, I almost feel like the top five should just be, as they say, transparent. I should already, I feel like I should almost just tell everybody what's on it now because I got all these suggestions. Uh, We have uh, Gloria by Van Morrison. Uh, Let's see. There's an April Wine song that people of my generation and older will remember that I think in this climate, I can't even say the title of this April Wine song on the air. But the title of this April Wine song refers to uh, uh, passing in the street and giving salutations to a woman named Kay. And I can't, uh, I can't, I can't say that on the air, and I can't put it on the top five. What else? Somebody said "Method of Modern Love" by Holland Oates. "Be Aggressive" by Faith No More, and then. Um, And then uh, then Nicholas says, uh, you have to have the L-O-V-E song. It's the one that goes, L is for the way you look at me, O is for the only one I love. And I don't know what that song is. It reminds me of that M is for the many ways she loves me, O is that she's only growing old song about mother. And so now I realize this top five will make no one happy. What is your suggestion, sir? Well,
10: you're a big Motorhead fan. What about Ramones?
0: See, we thought about it during the break. I was talking to Sarah about that, Mm -hmm. uh, about the song, and that's from the Motorhead, what, like 1916 or something. It's the R-A-M-O-N-E-S, Ramones. Yep. I will tell you this. Here's the reason that's not going to be on the top five, because we have used that on the top five like a hundred different times, and we just used it last month on the top five songs less than two minutes long.
10: Okay. So. One other thing. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you remember, like, a year ago, you guys were talking about whether or not you could uh, sniff heroin. And uh, You
0: mean like a truffle hound? Oh, you mean like as a way to, to get high? Yeah. Okay.
10: And uh, I actually was the guy who called up and explained that you could. Mm -hmm. I only know that because I lived in Blaine, Washington, so you are correct. There is nothing to do in
0: that town. Except to get high and have uh, teenage sex.
10: Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't a teenager, so the teenage sex was, well, outside of the window.
0: That was uh, only a theoretical kind of sex then.
10: Yes, but the sipping heroin was was highly... uh... Was was very much so on the the menu. So
0: now, when you say uh, uh, when you say that it was a thing you knew because you lived in Blaine, Washington, is that because you were aware that it took place, or because you yourself participated in that behavior?
10: Let's just say that uh, if you live in Whatcom County, but not in Bellingham, uh-huh. you do drugs.
0: All right. Well, well. I mean, look. Here's the thing. There's not there's nothing else to do in towns like that. I'm not saying that drugs are good. I'm not saying people should abuse their body. But people should have no illusions about why uh, folks choose to get high a lot of the time. It's, it's, there's just nothing else to do. I mean, you're sit around and watch the wheat grow. I mean, there's just Can't nothing. Can't they bag
1: sawdust? Yeah. <laughs> <That's> good honest <laughs> work.
0: You want to go do that thing of like pushing a barrel hoop down a, down a hill with a stick, chasing your dog down to the crick? Yeah. All right. Uh, what is the industry in that town?
10: Um, It used to be fishing. Now it is actually drug importation.
0: Oh well, you know. So there you go. So that's you know that's making a have out of a have not, sir.
10: Well, it's kind of hilarious because you read. It's a town of like six thousand people, and you read the police report, and it's like, you know, cops throwing windows or throwing rocks at windows. Six thousand pounds of marijuana seized at border. Yep. It's standing on corner looking kid like. Yeah. 5,000 pounds of of this drug and $25,000 seized at the border. It's just, at one point, they caught the Hells Angels sneak in, dope in with kids from Point Roberts in their backpacks.
0: You know, uh, drugs really are the backbone of the American economy. Nobody likes to say that, but it's true. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, which is broadcasting to you on KCMD Portland. Hi. Hey, Hey, Rick. What's up?
6: Uh, I was just going to say, you're right about the fact that when Trump has any kind of business, it pretty much fails, like, uh, his casino, I think, went bankrupt twice yeah. before he sold it, but he's so he's not really rich, he's wealthy, and it's because he owns property everywhere, and I, I read somewhere that like 80% of it is commercial, so that's probably why if you go around, you see office buildings with a name on it, because he owns the office building.
0: Yeah, somebody told us that his business has failed but he makes enough money renting space, basically, I mean, to boil it down, that oh. that covers his losses.
10: He probably makes thousands of dollars a minute yeah. renting out spaces, but yeah.
0: I like the idea that he can have a casino go bankrupt not once but twice, and then it eventually folds. I mean, who gives you a second chance that, if you can't make money running a casino? You ought to be barred from getting into the money-making business.
6: I who? think it's funny that a guy who's never had a business not go bankrupt has his own television show about running a business.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Thank you, sir. Huh? All right, there you go. Yeah. Wait, how badly do you have to run a casino for it to go bankrupt? I mean, a casino seems like, I mean, that uh, that's a house always wins, both specifically and the abstract kind of a thing. Also, why is there no Playboy Casino? Well, there used to be... What? There used to be Playboy Clubs all over the place, then they just got out of there. See, don't you think those ought to come back? Don't you think they ought to bring back the Playboy Club?
1: I suppose so, but there's so
0: much online porn. No, but see, but the, the Playboy Club, I mean, I never got to go because the last one closed in the early 80s, I think. And that was in L.A. maybe, or New York, one of those one of those cities. Uh, but the Playboy Club, that was a thing big in the 60s, right? Uh, we had to do a whole, man, we had to do a whole, like, sort of, you know. Uh, you know, Maybe
1: that could be the next Lister party. You could be Hugh Hefner in a smoking jacket.
0: Right? I was tempted. Um, I will
2: not be in a Playboy Bunny outfit. Uh, for <laughs> one of our.
0: Just, just okay, you putting that out there. <laughs> I'm,
2: just, I'm laying that on the line right this second. <laughs> I,
0: I will say that for one of our past Halloween parties, I almost went as Hefner. Uh, but the reason I didn't is because I figured that. And it never happened, actually. I always figured there would be ten other guys dressed as Hugh Hefner. And, of course, it was never the case. Uh, there were never other guys dressed as Hugh Hefner. But it was always my fear that there would be. And so I had the whole thing, like bathrobe, the whatever that thing is, the ascot, the pipe, the whatever. And I'm like, oh, no, there's going to be a bunch of guys dressed as Hefner. And then there are, never is. There's always a, but every time I go as anything else, there's ten of those guys. Hey, I'm going to be a Droog from Clockwork. Course, nine other Droogs. Yeah. There's never a Hefner. Hey, don't you think um, that Edward Norton would make a great Hefner? I suppose so. People say Robert Downey Jr., but I see Ed Norton. I think Ed Norton really ought to play the Hefner. Um, But there ought to be a Playboy casino, and I don't know why there isn't, and the Playboy clubs ought to be brought back on a very limited basis because the Playboy club was just, I mean, and all I really know about it is stuff I've seen in documentaries and that uh, Hefner has that kind of whitewashed but still entertaining documentary called Once Upon a Time, narrated by James Coburn. And they talk about the Playboy Club, and the Playboy Club was just a nightclub. Uh, that's all it was. It wasn't a strip club. There was no nudity. It was. I mean, I have to say, to see people, I think who grow up now or look at Playboy now, they just look at Hefner and they see he's the guy with all the blonde girlfriends. And it, you know, I love Hugh Hefner. I love Playboy. And he, that life is certainly his to live as he chooses. He's he's given and given and given. But he does that thing not just hanging out with the seven blonde girls, and it you know, sort of becomes almost a self-parody in some ways. Whereas Playboy, for a long time, people don't really remember this, was very sophisticated. I mean, Playboy was very about, it was about being, I hate the word suave, but kind of like this sort of culture, you know, it was a very cultured kind of uh, kind of thing. And it was all about the right glass of scotch and the right kind of steak and the right stereo system and whatever. And the Playboy clubs... Again, they weren't strip clubs at all. You would go there, and it was just a nightclub. And there was always uh, there was live jazz at every Playboy club. They had great red meat, like the great steak. They had great liquor. And when you would go in, uh, every your membership was a key. Didn't open anything, but it was a key that was your membership card. And then of course they had the girls in the black and white, the the black satin and white, uh, you know, cottontail bunny outfit things serving your drinks. But that was really it. That was their only sort of sop to to the to the girl thing. They didn't have any strippers or anything. And it was really, and Gloria Steinem was a Playboy Bunny, by the way. Uh, and it was a really very, a very cool thing. And then it went away because it was viewed as being sort of old-fashioned in the 80s. I think that could make a big comeback right now. So, Hef, you got on that. Here's Tim Riley.
1: So uh, let's go back to talk about this election, shall we? Because that's what's on everyone's mind. Uh, Sarah Palin is going off script, or so they tell us. Mm-hmm. But the first time in the campaign, uh, Sarah Palin took questions from a cloud, uh, crowd at a rally,
0: she took questions from a cloud. <laughs> she, took she took questions from a cloud of nanobots. What do you want? <laughs> Hello, Tim. Hello. Something in your throat?
1: Yes. Uh, in Michigan, she was asked about an issue she and John McCain do not agree on. Have you been able to convince the senator on drilling in Anwar?
5: I'm still working on it.
0: <laughs> and, the next, and the next question is: This, this town hall meeting is adjourned. No! Well, we won't answer questions. It's hilarious.
1: Not that everyone was already put there on purpose. Uh, Sarah responds to a question in Grand Rapids about balancing a family and elected office. I was
2: pregnant when I was the governor, and they asked, how are you going to be the governor and have a baby in office? And I said, the same way that every other governor has brought up a family, had a baby in office. Granted, they were
12: men. She's a woman, and I'm a woman, and um, I had five children. She has five.
0: And there's so much in common, it's mind-blowing.
1: Uh, she responds to a question on her foreign policy credentials.
2: If we are so blessed as to be sworn into office as your president and vice president, certainly we'll be ready. If you want specifics with specific policy or countries, go ahead and, and you can ask me. You can even play Stump the Candidate if you want to. What I'd like to play,
0: play Stump the Candidate, Tim. What?
1: What countries would this be
0: about? <laughs> I don't know.
2: You she were going one way, much. and I
0: was going a whole different way there. Uh, and neither was you know. I, and I do like the idea that you can ask me, not like I'll answer or I'll tell you. You can ask. I can ask to be. Uh, I can ask to be taller and richer, and you know, and uh, you know, whatever. I can ask to have you know five different arms so that I can drink more coffee at once. Not going to happen. Also, telling there that she didn't actually say. If you have questions about specifics. Go to our website where it's all laid out for you to see. They didn't actually didn't actually offer that.
1: Or go to the National Enquirer. Yeah. That's, a That's what I'm saying. Uh, Lynn Cheney is uh, backing up this uh, woman.
12: Absolutely, I think she's uh, uh, she was just a, a terrific choice on his part. She's uh, been a breath
2: of fresh air. Uh, everyone is now so energized and interested in this election. I have a feeling. That on October 2nd, when the vice presidential debate occurs, it will be the highest rated debate of all time.
0: Pardon me, stewardess. I speak jive.
1: Uh, Lynn Stewart is out promoting her new book called We the People, the Story of the Constitution. Apparently, this is
2: for children. When we study the past, I often think we failed to understand that these were people just like us. You know, they had hopes and fears and challenges and uh, virtues of various kinds and faults of various kinds. Mm. The human drama is what I try to convey as I tell these stories to children.
0: Who is this? Lynn Cheney. Oh, I think it's Lynn Stewart. No. I was going to ask who that was. Lynn Cheney. Lynn Cheney, this is. Kids
1: right pornography, not anymore.
0: Lynn Cheney? Yeah. Not unlike Ann Rice? No. All right. Uh, all right, it's 503 uh, 2. Nine Let's see here. Um, All right, we'll just do these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello there.
6: Hey, Rick. Yeah, Uh, next time you go to
10: tap, you need to get some 1080 girls in bunny costume.
0: Next time we have the what? Ha-ha?
10: Never mind. Um,
0: Okay.
6: (laughs) The uh, top five, you need to have respect by whats her guts. I
1: can't remember (laughs) her name now. This is a well thought out call. Isn't it?
0: <laughs> yes. I like the blueprint that you're following here. Um, how are you doing today, sir? What are, what are you doing right now? I mean, other than Me? calling. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing? Where are you at?
6: Uh, I'm actually working in Sherwood. I'm sitting on a twenty-six thousand pound of
0: It's good that you're working with heavy equipment. Yeah. Oh
6: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, what well, is you...
6: While talking on the phone.
0: Yeah. When when you drink, not that that's happening now, of course. When you drink, what is your beverage of choice, sir? Uh, visa. Excellent. There you go. Okay, see? That's a man who knows how to wrap the call up flawlessly. All right, thank you, my friend. Uh-huh. All right, there you go. I do see it ended well. I guess it did. It can go worse than to do a, uh, do a little plugging. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, I wanted to
5: tell you there is a Playboy Club in Las Vegas.
0: Really? Where at?
5: It's in the Palms Hotel and
4: Casino. The new Palms Tower is the whole Playboy Tower. There's a Hugh Hefner Suite on the top floor.
0: Okay, that's fantastic. And have you been to this Playboy Casino, uh, this Playboy Club?
4: I have not. I'm going to Vegas in November. I'll try to get over there and check it out. When did this open?
0: How long has it been there?
4: Uh, I think it opened
5: last year I
0: think, we ah, see, about so it. I, I think we
5: talked about
6: it how
0: here. i you know, see, you know i just went to vegas a couple months ago now i don't know where you know i didn't know it was there so i didn't go all right well see now i have to go all right yeah
4: excellent. and if you go on the Pal- palms casinos website that will show you all about the club and the suite and stuff
0: fantastic i'm all over that thank you sir yeah
4: have a good
0: one you, all right there you go oh and uh, okay so here, somebody just sent me the link uh so dana dana uh just sent me the link here uh, the Palms on oh, the Maloof brothers on it, of course. Uh, the uh, Palms, uh, a Maloof Casino Resort, Las Vegas. Now here we go, introducing the world's only Playboy Club, high stakes gaming and nightlife come together to make this an experience uh, unique to Vegas. Not to mention the world, nine blackjack tables. Blah 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 blah. Uh, all right, they don't, uh, they don't have any photos of it, or maybe they do. Oh, here we go, meet the bunny dealers. So I guess it's all. I love this country. All right. Can I just tell you how much I love America? So right now I'm at the Palms. Uh, and this is safe for work, by the way. This is, there's no nudity here. Uh, Palms.com slash Playboy underscore club. Underscores are dumb. Uh, Palms.com slash Playboy underscore club. You click on this thing, that says meet the bunny dealers. And, of course, it is just uh, the dealers are all uh, hot girls in bunny outfits, and they're doing the classic black and white bunny outfit. No, like fuchsia or whatever. And so it's just a bunch of slideshows of these uh, hot girls in bunny outfits who presumably like deal blackjack to you or whatever. Fantastic. This is, you know, that's that's really what separates us Tim from communists and savages. Uh-huh. All right, hold on. Let me get a look through these. Holly. Hello, Holly. Uh, let's see here. Sapatra. She's a uh, she's a fetching uh, young lady, isn't she? All right. Charity. Charity Angel uh, Ashley, et cetera. All right, great. That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, Supatra is an interesting...
0: Supatra is really a... Uh, she's a very attractive young lady, I would say. All right, yeah, so go watch, go check that out. Okay, here's the other thing. And I don't know if I probably have said this, probably in the same conversation where we talked about the Playboy Casino, but it staggers my mind that Gene Simmons, uh, Gene Simmons has an open-day casino. Because that's a guy who never misses a trick, man. He rings dollars out of everything. Mm-hmm. So you would have a casino... Right there in Vegas. And, of course, you would have slot machines, table games, whatever, all using the sort of kiss theme. And then, wait for it, the dealers would all be hot girls in kiss makeup. You got some hot girl, big cans, Gene oh, Simmons makeup? Oh, you
2: should because you could have made some money off of that.
0: Well, see, the thing is, all I could probably do is, you know, Gene, I got this great idea. Thank you so much for that idea. I appreciate it. Um, look, here's... Uh, Here's a half-price ticket to uh, one of our concerts in the back. All right, thanks so much. I mean, really, what is what is Gene Simmons? I love Gene Simmons, but what is he going to give me? Gene Simmons gives nothing away. He doesn't give anything to anybody. Uh, so, um, but they really ought to be doing a casino right about now, because you know, go to the Hard Rock uh, Casino, and the Hard Rock Casino, which is actually the Hard Rock Casino, is kind of lame. Uh, but they have the great, like they have the billion-dollar babies baccarat table and whatever. You do a whole uh, kiss-themed casino, man. There's money in the bank right there. Here's Tim Riley.
1: Plus that uh, that casino was like way out in the middle of nowhere. The Hard Rock Cafe.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a long walk. It's act. annoying to get out there.
0: Yeah. And there's
1: nothing near it.
0: No, it, there really isn't. And well, there's the Hard Rock Cafe and the Hard Rock Cas- the Hard Rock. I keep saying casino, but casino. And are they? It's been so long since I've been. Are they next to each other?
1: I think it's the same thing, aren't they?
0: Is the one with the big? Is that with the huge neon guitar? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a picture of myself because you know I'm a dude in front of the big neon guitar at the at the Hard Rock Casino. But it's not. I mean, it ain't all that. Uh you know the, one of the great things that one of the little displays they have there that is pretty great is female fan letters written to Rod Stewart which are all great and oh. sort of creepy but um you know the casino's all right i suppose but uh i really do think that the uh, i think that you know if gene simmons isn't doing that now it's a thing that he's probably going to do inevitably at some point in the future there's just too much money there to pass it over here's tim riley
1: so the good news is at the closing bell on wall street the dow was up more than 380 points uh ted nugent is also uh, backing John McCain and his running mate. He came out with that yesterday. But Carl Rove said that Senator John McCain's vice presidential pick was a political choice, and that excitement over Sarah Palin will subside. Nothing lasts for 60-some-odd days, says Rove. She'll be the center of attention for the remaining 48? No. But she'll come in a very uh, powerful way and have a sense of urgency to the campaign. That's pretty remarkable. So that's from... uh, themselves.
0: I don't necessarily know that that's true. I think he might be trying to do what they, you know, in the sales department, there's this phrase called managing expectations and managing expectations. That is a, uh, that is another little bit of new speak that replaced the old phrase under promise over deliver. You know, in other words, you know, you try to pitch something to somebody. What you don't say is like, Hey, this is good. This is going to be the best investment you ever made. You're going to make a billion dollars. You don't say that. What you say is, yeah, I think you'll see some incremental gains here. And then hopefully it's more than that, but you sort of promise less than you think it's going to deliver. The thing about that statement about Sarah Palin not being exciting to people, you know, for the next two, three, four weeks, whatever it is, um, 48 days, I mean, people have been all jacked up about Barack Obama for like a year and a half. That only very recently started to burn off. So I think she's going to, you know, there's that sort of...
1: Well, that's because John McCain was unable to get anybody's attention.
0: But that demographic that clings to her, that the... uh wait, is it out? Oh, no, that's my fault. I had the computer turned off, and now oh, I've hoisted by my own. I see the woman, and I'm a
12: woman, and... Um... I had five children. She has five. Here's the
0: thing. That woman there, deeply stupid. 48 days, that woman's still going to be deeply stupid.
1: All right. You cover with with, uh, you know, baby drool and the oversized <laughs> purse with baby bottles hanging out of it. Yeah.
0: All right. There's no cure for stupid, Tim. And so uh, I think a lot of this sort of like, she looks just like me, sort of. That's still going to be there. As, as all you know, my babies do. In these six weeks. Here's Tim Riley.
1: Microsoft is moving forward with a new image makeover. Uh, After a couple of weeks teasing computer users with its spots featuring Bill Gates and comedian Jerry Seinfeld, the company's taking the next step in its $300
0: million campaign. Just wondering, are they ever going to come out with something that'll make our computers moist and chewy like cake so we can just eat them while we're working? If it's
13: yes, give me a signal. Adjust your shorts.
1: So beginning today, the commercials will feature the theme, Windows, Life Without Walls. Gates will make a cameo appearance in one of the new ads along with celebrities such as actress Ava Longoria. Seinfeld will, won't appear in the new spots, at least for now. The offbeat teaser ads that he and Gates appeared in generated discussion as they talked about shoe suburbia and the potential
0: for computing to improve life. Boy, that sounds exciting, Tim. That, re- that really just that sets my toes at tapping. Why no, must
1: they advertise?
0: I don't know, and I think in this way, can we agree on this? Is somebody, let me. I don't know what we're gonna. I have to tell you frankly, I don't know what we're gonna do for the high concept later on today. I got a couple ideas. I haven't really decided what high concept Thursday is gonna be. This is a good chance to talk about this. So somebody sent me this question the other day, and he was trying to explain, in his opinion, this is uh, the the listener was trying to explain, in his opinion, the difference between Republicans and Democrats. To like a friend of his, okay. And the best he could come up with was. Republicans are Jerry Springer and Democrats are NPR. And that, that was sort of his take on it. And I don't know if that's true or not. But but he admitted that that wasn't really even a perfect analogy because Jerry Springer, obviously, TV show, NPR, you know, on the radio. And so he asked me if I could come up. He's like, help me out. Republicans are what and Democrats are blank. And so it, at some point, maybe we can pursue that because it is sort of an interesting idea. If the Republicans are whatever, where Republicans are uh, Dukes of Hazard, Democrats are... See, but I don't really know. See, and maybe it's maybe it's a, a maybe it's a stupid and useless topic because I don't even really know that I can oh, come yeah, up I think with it.
2: Being that. able to describe them would be probably more interesting than trying to find things to compare it to because I don't I don't know what the difference is. Yeah, I mean, so my friend tried to describe how like Republicans want smaller governments, like or something. I don't know. I no like, one I
0: wants think. smaller government. Yeah. Anybody who says no one in either party but it wants all smaller for government. was a Republican who was telling me that. Yeah, no, that's well, that yeah, no one anywhere wants smaller. Democrats don't want smaller government. Republicans don't want smaller government. Um. But I was going to say that in a way, don't you feel like Apple is like, Apple is the Republican Party and Microsoft is the Democratic Party? In that, leaving aside issues of how well either machine works, I mean the thing that Apple has going for it is their marketing is fantastic. Apple knows exactly how to speak to people. Apple tells people what they you know what they need to hear. Apple makes people excited about their products. And you know, you will. I'll say this: It's just strictly, and I view the whole thing just in terms of marketing, as Jack Trout would say, uh, that. The thing about Obama that I think people got, you know, they were sort of into was that he was able to get people excited. And no one's ever excited about a Democratic candidate. Really, not since, I mean, Bill Clinton was the only one. Who was excited about John Kerry? No one. Who was excited about Michael Dukakis? Maybe Mrs. Dukakis when she wasn't busy drinking rubbing alcohol. I mean, there's really no one is ever excited about a Democrat. Because Democrats are just bland and uninteresting and tedious and boring and pointless. And people get excited about Republican candidates because the Republican Party is very good at sort of stoking you up. So in that way, Apple computers, very much like the Republican Party, man, their advertising is flawless. It's perfect. They do some of the best advertising that has ever existed for any product in any medium. Microsoft advertising is pointless. It is utterly, it is utterly useless and embarrassing most of the time because they got that thing where like Bill Gates is standing there talking to Jerry Seinfeld in some vain attempt to look hip. I like Jerry Seinfeld. Funny guy. Also not. Tremendously relevant at this point. I mean it just seems like trying to be funny using a guy that was really at the height of his sort of buzzworthiness like 10, 12 years ago. So anyway. Why doesn't Microsoft just come out with some commercials that say nothing we nothing we <laughs> <to> make worse? <warrants. laughs> I was gonna put a finer point on it. I mean, you know, the Microsoft, do you remember who was the company that did was it Hertz that did we're number two? Maybe. There was one of those car rental, maybe it was Avis. I think it, back oh, in the,
1: right, Hertz has always been number
0: one. Yeah, so back in the back in the sort of the, the glory days of the car rental business, when it was just like the big two fighting it out, um, Hertz was the number one auto rental company. Period. If you rented a car, you probably went to Hertz. And then Avis unveiled this brilliant advertising strategy. I mean, really, I think it did win scores of awards. And Avis's slogan became, "We're number two, so we're trying harder." Something like that. It was That, that was basically, the I didn't think I might have mangled the verbiage, but that's what it was. It, you know, it was like, we're, it was like it was, we're number two, trying really hard to be number one. And everybody went, well, by God, because A, that implies that maybe they're going to give you a break, it's going to be cheaper, and B, that you're going to get better customer service. I don't know if either of those things are true, but that's what it makes you think of. So why doesn't Windows do something like that? Why don't they get, look, we have all the market share because your boss makes you use our software. It doesn't really work all that well, but... You know we're trying to fix it. Give give me a hand.
13: Stop,
0: Brian Jones.
13: Stop with the Microsoft bashing.
0: I'm not. I love Bill Gates. Stop. I love Bill Gates and Microsoft, but let's not have any illusions about their products and how easy they are to use. Let's not lie to ourselves about that. Okay, can I? Can you, Brian Jones, CBS Radio uh, Director of Engineering? Good afternoon. Hello, how
13: are you? We're we're getting just planning for the uh, for the Big Pig Fest. Yes. Getting getting ready to go. I'm bringing moose. Yum yum!
1: I can hardly wait.
13: <laughs> I'm bringing moose burgers. I'm bringing I'm bringing Tim a big plate of raw pork so he can look at it. Moving on.
1: <laughs> I'm sure I'll make a brief appearance. Yes. Oh,
0: by the way, yes, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this on the air. I don't. Something want to else need fixed. No, I was oh. just going to say. I was going to say I don't wish to be. I don't wish to be another uh, jackass DJ who takes sort of. Well, then you know, don't. Well, I was <laughs> just gonna say, who takes office discussions and then they become my on-air discussions. But um, our traffic director, uh, the lovely Deb Wright... Absolutely. She sort of sent me an email. Not sort of. She did send me an email. She said, so since KCMD kind of got left off the invitation, because apparently we don't exist... Could you bring moose burgers? She didn't say that, but that's what I'm doing. That's how we're pitching in. But she said,
2: "Oh God, do I have to bring something now?" No, but she
0: was. You know, don't get me wrong. I, Sarah, it will be good enough if you just bring yourself.
2: Okay, thanks, Brad. And
0: I love Deb Wright, and I'm not. I'm not saying that in an Eddie Haskell kind of way. You know, she's probably listening. No, and she, you know what? She's she really is like one of the indispensable links in oh, the yeah. chain. That is, I oh, mean, yeah. without Deb Wright, things fall apart. So I really do love Deb Wright. I, you know, for a long time, she and I worked very well together. But she said. So I know that you guys kind of get left off the invitation, but you're all very social people. Could could the AM970 people at Pig Fest Could you guys be in charge of maybe Wait entertainment? For it? Not just entertainment, uh-huh. Brian. She said, "Could the AM970 people kind of? Could you guys maybe come up with and then like maybe like like be in charge of running some games for everybody to play?" What? I know, I know, I know, I know. Like, why are we gonna have sack races? I'm going to, to I'm going line? to speak that... I'm going to speak to her after the show and let her know that a we do, we do love and value her as a co worker, a colleague, uh, uh, really one of the best traffic people I've ever worked for. The, B, we're bringing moose burgers. That's what I'm contributing. And C, it would be a miscalculation of almost indescribable proportions to put us in charge of anything involving so fun okay. and frivolity and
13: sociality or with, organization with our co workers.
0: So,
2: were the rumors <laughs> true? Is it, in fact, a dry barbecue?
13: It is not a dry barbecue. The engineers are doing their part, and we're
0: bringing non dry. beverages. Yeah, no, really, nothing involving radio is ever dry, because they know that no one... That's no what
9: kind of, of surprised at first. Yeah,
0: no offense. They know when no one would come. I mean, I'm sure you're going to be barbecuing a great
13: pig and all, but there's no booze. Nobody will show up. So, all right. So,
0: Did, I, did you have an observation? Yeah, about yeah, you know,
13: I did. I, I just want to say, while you're Microsoft bashing, and yes. not that I'm a huge defender of of Microsoft, but two quick antidotes. Yes. If you, am I interrupting the news? Yeah, but I do that all the time anyway. So go ahead. I mean, Tim's over here writing more news. So that's okay. So two quick things. Yes. Uh, those those lovely Apple commercials made me go buy a Mac. Good and for and what I found was was that not ever having used one, mm-hmm. it was extremely difficult for me to learn how to navigate the software. Now is that because that's obviously you're coming from a Windows background? Right. Though. Exactly. So that's exactly the same thing that a Macintosh user is going to experience when they go to Windows. Somebody who's been an Apple user all their life is going to make that argument about well, Windows. Fair enough. Uh,
0: no, no. Well, Mac
1: works the first time.
0: Okay.
13: Well, let me just, first
0: of all, let me just, <laughs> because, because here's the thing, we're entering, we're entering nerd fight territory here, right. so I need to lay out. I,
13: I don't want to get in a fight with anybody. No, 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 it's fine.
0: I, you know what it is? This, you're talking to the core right here. You know, this cume decor out there in the audience, this is where the audience n- lives. No, my no, I,
13: I get it, and I, uh, the phones
0: aren't ringing yet. So, so I will say this. Let me say a couple things. One. Uh, I use uh, Windows and always have – I will say that I, I really – Steve Jobs and Bill Gates are both heroes of mine for yeah. different reasons. Yeah. Steve Jobs, great, very forceful personality, uh, helped to, if not create, push through a lot of innovations, mm-hmm. great marketer. Bill Gates, obviously uh, – somebody once said, uh, if you are a true – it was like one of those, you might be a redneck if. They said you might be a nerd if you know why Bill Gates is both the best and worst thing to ever happen to computing. Here's my thing about about Windows and Microsoft. I've used Windows my whole life, used Mac sporadically. Yeah, yeah. I've used Windows my whole life, but it's like Windows just never met a piece of software or an operating system that they didn't like to bloat up past the point of usability. See the new version of Microsoft Word, which I know we all had to install here, which, and I don't mean any disrespect to the IT department, to you, to Troy. That's a terrible piece of software. It's awful. I mean, give me like my Word Perfect 2.0. I'm good to go. Just, can you just use Notepad? I just seriously would I, you really? If you could just give me like maybe not Notepad, WordPad. How about just, spell checking in Notepad? That would me, be great. You give me WordPad. Give me something that prints what's on the screen. I don't need a talking office supply to come up and tell me how I'm going to write something that's formatted for a barrister in Bristol. Yeah, yeah, doesn't really work.
13: Yeah, no, so. I, you know, I, and I, and I don't want to make this into a Mac bashing thing because I really like. I have a MacBook Pro, love it, absolutely. But, and I, love I do it. have a
1: Windows laptop at home because uh, there's no Quicken for Mac. Yes, there is. Wait, it's crap. <laughs> it is crap. <laughs> I mean, Quicken doesn't make anything good for Mac, so therefore I am
13: forced to do cause... it on a PC. Yeah. I found that out the hard way. Yeah. yeah so second is yeah, everybody's, everybody's down on Microsoft yes. uh, Vista, Windows Vista. Yes. We were at this Microsoft doc- – does anybody care? Just can I yes. just ask? that I one? would say I care, Tim cares, Sarah doesn't care. Are there are there are there knobs clicking off out in no. On radio? No, and... no. Here's the thing,
0: because we uh, I would say because we uh, we broadcast to an audience that you know a lot of women who listen, a lot of guys who listen, yeah, a lot of uh, geeks, nerds, whatever who listen. So everybody with a Y chromosome right now <laughs> is actually telling everybody, shh, shh, when i shh, I this?
13: got stopped at the Home Depot this morning at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Mark, Mark at the depot. Dave at the depot. Oh God. Some I can't guy. Remember. Some guy, big fan, stopped right. me. He said, Hey, you work for CBS Radio? There's a dozen of us here. We listen to Rick all day long. All right.
0: Hello, how's it going?
13: Yeah. So, uh, so right. anyway. I so, so anyway, were you so, uh, at a Microsoft conference? Well, it wasn't really a conference. It was just kind of a dog and pony show uh-huh. that, that Microsoft did. They invited us, uh, one of their local training vendors. Right. And they they did this study, and I think it was Microsoft Colorado or Microsoft it was some like a code name? Yeah, it was it was under the guise of showing people the next generation of Windows operating right, system. Right. Maybe you've heard this already. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. no. And it was really Vista. It was really Vista. It was like the Pepsi challenge. Right, exactly. And and so, you know, there's just a lot of misconceptions about Vista. Well, that's a fair right. point.
0: I would say we we made this comparison the other day, and then Sarah's going to yell at me for being overtime. I know, it's my fault,
13: and I'm sorry for just barging in.
0: No, that's all right. We made this comparison the other day that Microsoft and its its applications are like the government, in that... Every year, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, despite their claims that they're going to streamline it. And every year, you have to get a whole new bunch of stuff, like politicians or service, uh, you know, like patches and service updates, to fix all the stuff that was wrong with the last version. Well, and no, 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 that last version sucked. Yeah. We can admit it now. The last version blew. This this new version, that's
13: all that. That's that's and, what it's all and about. And part of the blame for the bloat and the crap that goes on in Windows goes to the developers of the applications that write. To go on top of yes. Windows. Yes. Our audio vault system that runs here runs on Windows. When's the last time we've had an ounce of problems with it? I know, it's a fair point. Right? So I'm again, just. If you, if you write good software, you know, it'll, it'll run on
0: Microsoft. I'm just going to say this someday when I become sort of irremovable dictator of the, uh, the whole world, the entire place is going to run on an Altair. I'm thinking just an abacus. There you go. go. (laughs) Brian Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks,
13: everybody, for letting me intrude. Take a
0: break. We'll come back after this. Tim Riley has more news for us when we return. Yes. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get your calls around the corner. Later on, uh, we will do the top five songs that spell things out. We'll talk to Bob Costantini, High Concept Thursday, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. program thank you for coming along by the way for those playing the home game sarah X dylan is resplendent today in her black gem t-shirt now is that instant old or is that an actual vintage gem shirt it
2: doesn't i don't care. crack. instant old oh i don't
0: care doesn't matter to me i, I, I don't pass i shit. do have I my pass.
2: my old old though um now to a no t-shirt i mean let me put it this way I mean, it's
0: always better. I mean, it's kind of cooler if you can have the actual vintage shirt. But I don't look down on people at all for having the sort of the thing that is made the. But I, I did get it
2: in New York. Oh, well, there you go. So that makes it feel like anything you know is made a little bit better when you
0: get yeah. it. I got to get some. I got some guy give me guff. And uh, when, when I say guy, I think it might have actually been Joni. Um, I was wearing my Zeppelin shirt the other day, and it's the one that says Led Zeppelin. Uh, it's a replica of their 1977 tour shirt. It's the one that, uh, you know, it's like the, it's the gray shirt within the white, and it has Apollo the Sun God, and it says Led Zeppelin, United States Tour, 1977. Uh, if it wasn't Joni, I apologize, but she was giving me a little bit of crap about it. She's like, hey, where do we, where yeah, are you? Yeah, I
2: wouldn't be surprised. Joni is a crap giver. <laughs>
0: fake old shirt. And I was like, you know, nobody goes to somebody's house and says, hey, way to have a fake Picasso handing in there. Why don't you have the original Picasso right there? I'm like, well, A you know, because I wasn't, because I wasn't live then. B, because I don't have, because Susie Orman hasn't cleared me to spend $360,000 on it. So it's just, a, that's just a thing that like only gets applied to t-shirts. Nobody busts on you for having a print of like the Mona Lisa. You have a reproduction of a shirt. Suddenly it's like you're a poser. Mm. So, all right, well, whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, well, wait, before we do that. Let me uh, remind you, i got the Glorious Bastard of the Week coming up. Uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week. wins a whole pile of stuff. I mean, really, honestly, an actual, literal pile of things. Uh, we'll also give away a pair of tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar. Who in the hell do you think you are at the Schnitzer? We're going to play your choice, either Musical Trivia or Bible Trivia. Uh, for that. So, uh, that'll be coming up later on. Uh, we'll do High Concept Thursday, and then I've got this uh, question-slash-observation that I wrote down for myself. Plus, we got to talk a little bit about uh, country music, because i got this sort of mental itch i got to scratch about something. This, however, is your personal savior, looking stylish as always, Tim Riley.
3: And now, now. go from the Ministry of Truth, yeah. this is Tim Riley. Oh, no.
1: yeah. I only get dressed up because Chris said... It would look better for a newsman to be dressed up to take pictures on a bicycle.
0: Well, you know, I would say that you look, uh, you look stylish and dapper uh, no matter what you choose to wear, Tim Riley. This is, this is just, uh, this is just another crayon out of your infinite stylish crayon box.
1: Why? Thank you. I'm just wearing a tie today. I'm just saying. So, uh, Wall Street recovered most of yesterday's huge stock decline with a small, uh, not a small, but a strong afternoon rally today. Investors reacted to a broadcast report that U.S. Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson was uh, talking about a resolution trust corporation-type solution to the financial debacle. It's similar to what was used during the savings and loan debacle. On the day of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, up 410 points. NASDAQ was up 100 points. S&P was up 50 points. Oil was uh, up to more than a dollar. Oh, no, it was less than a dollar, 99 bucks a barrel.
0: So, so wait. It's going down. You know, can I? And here's an observation. I was Because like, it's election time. That's right, Tim. Uh, you know what? We had that drill conversation. Maybe. I don't even know where the Anwar, where is Anwar? Anwar? Aren't they going to be drilling in the Anwar province?
1: Oh, wherever that is. I
0: thought Anwar was the guy who was running Egypt that got shot. Are you thinking of Sadat. Anwar, Sadat. All right. Uh, and then when I say Anwar, I hear Anyang in my head. But So we're going to be drilling Anwar. Is that a place? Is that a city? Anwar province? Yeah. What is, that? What is the Anwar province? Is that in Canada? It sounds like it'd be in Canada.
1: Uh, let's see here. It is turning over the Anwar. Oh, I guess this is, uh, this is Israel.
0: No, we're not drilling in Israel. No, we're not. That seems unlikely. That seems unlikely. I mean, we might I mean, be. It would
1: be a good place to drill. It would be friendly. And I'm trying to find out where Anwar from.
0: No, and you know, I was about to say, here, let me just say this. Since you were talking... It to...
1: is the former capital of the insurgency.
0: <laughs> Wait.
1: Okay. It's in Iraq.
0: We're not drilling in Iraq. That's well, where,
1: where the Anwar province is.
0: Are we? But isn't that the place that they want to start drilling?
1: I hadn't heard that.
0: All right. You know, I don't even know. We're talking like nine hundred things here. This is the problem with an election year, is that so many of these stories uh, get floated out there, and then in my head, I lose track of all of them. I mean, like way more than I even you know than I even than I normally do, uh, and then I can't tell what we're talking about in terms of like anything. So uh, let me just say this though. Um, speaking of um, and i apologize in advance for this uh but speaking about drilling in israel you know who's really really hot is that the uh, what is it she that foreign minister in israel what's her name it's zippy Liv, Livni, Livni, whatever zippy Livni? <laughs> that, that that sounds fake now that i, now that I said out loud zippy Livni sounds like a sounds like a clown name or something um she's the um uh she's the foreign minister and acting prime minister um, and I think she is what she would like. She was a protege of like Gold in My Air or something. But she's running for, uh, I don't know, she's running for, for party leader or lead, prime minister, or whatever it is in Israel. Anyway, she's just, she's hot. That's all I want to say about it. Uh, and I got kind of this fatal attraction to Jewish girls anyway, but she's, I mean, see the news today. She's gorgeous. Um, so we're going to be drilling something or other, and I was working my way back from, back from that into something. I've given you every opportunity Oh, oh! So. so you were talking about the stock market sort of imploding and the bad and the whatever. But we had this discussion about a month ago when I was pointing out that it is this sort of liberal talking point that we're in the Middle East and that we're in Iraq for the oil. You know, get out of Iraq! I'm sick of us fighting wars for oil. And I was pointing out that it, clearly we're not there for the oil because if we were, like, we just would have taken it, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't have been taking it in the shorts so you know, for so many weeks on the with the price of oil. Like, we wouldn't have been, you know, gapped to pay four fifty a gallon for gas if we were in fact getting the oil. And I do believe that oil is, in fact, 40 cents a gallon for the Iraqis. The Iraqis pay less than 50 cents a gallon for gas. We're still paying like three bucks or something. I and mean, you know, were supposed to think that it's you know gone down a lot.
1: So my question is, since gas is only 40 cents a gallon, if you were an Iraqi, wouldn't you take advantage of that and just leave,
0: fill her up and leave the country? Just, I mean, it would almost be worth it. I would say if you are an Iraqi and you're paying 40 cents a gallon for gas, which I do believe is the price. The last time I checked, that's what it was. And what is the average price of it? What's a gallon of gas here in America? Average it's price a, right a, now?
1: Three seventy something.
0: Three seventy so it's Still nearly four dollars. Mm-hmm. So they are paying about a tenth of what we pay. It seems like with the, the amount of money you're saving on gas, as an Iraqi, you could probably buy an airplane and fill it and fly somewhere better. Yes, so that's what I I don't cool. know why you wouldn't. You know why you wouldn't just get out. But people obviously they had this canard that were all, you know that we over there for the oil, and the evidence sort of indicated that that's not true. But the other thing is, you know, we're just over there to pump up the coffers of companies like Halliburton. Let me tell you, I own stock in Halliburton, and it's doing badly. Halliburton stock is doing poorly. It's not doing well. So the idea that some of the, the, the whole war was created to make money for Halliburton, it, maybe that's true. But if it is true, it doesn't really seem to be manifesting itself in a decent price for the stock. So, you know, I think I think we might just be in Iraq because George Bush isn't very bright i mean i'm i'm afraid that might just be the bottom line answer so what do i know here's tim riley
1: so let's talk about these unstable air patterns across oregon that are helping aerial wildfires move faster and behave erratically threatening homes and forcing evacuations the royce butte fire west of crescent is now at 381 acres evacuations are still in effect bank for the crescent lake junction community of east odell where 277 structures are threatened The fire is human-caused and under investigation. Highway 58 remains closed near Oak Ridge. More than 58 structures are now threatened by the Gnarl Fire on the east side of Mount Hood. The lightning uh, spark blaze started last month. We're still talking about a uh, fire that's been going on for a month? Apparently so. It was contained on August 22nd, but it didn't last very long, all because of this unstable air. Then they're uh, telling people to get out at Mountain Shadow Subdivision near Cooper Spur, Residents of the Snowbird Subdivision, have been put on standby to get out. Then we have the Rattle Fire, uh 30 miles east of Glide. That's 11,000 acres, 30% contained, 64 structures threatened.
0: Two residents of Sly Creek have been told to leave. Are we actually now talking about a fire in a place called Sly Creek that has two residents? Yes, they've been told to leave. I think we have reached the end of this particular news road. I do believe we have. Uh, really? Uh, this is now... um this is now when everybody has left the arena except for one guy in the front row and the band is still on stage playing directly to him. I think we can move on. Oh, by the way, okay, so here we go, Tim. Yes. Anwar is a federal game reserve in Alaska where they want to drill for oil. Anbar is a province of Iraq. No, Anwar is a province in Iraq. All right, I'm, I did my part. I read the email. We're moving on. And by the way, the line is, Reuben James, you still walk the furrowed fields of my mind. It's Tim Riley.
1: I think I've contributed enough talking about the orange moon today. Yes. Let's talk about this uh, panel of glass that fell 50 floors before shattering on the ground in midtown Manhattan. It happened at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at the Bank of America Tower across the Bryant Park. Uh, Apparently, a debris container fell, hit a glass facade, causing several pieces to fall. Uh, This New Yorker took a potentially uh, deadly encounter in stride. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to get me a helmet and start walking around with it on because it's quite dangerous, it appears. So, but
2: I mean, what can you do? We live in New York City.
0: First of all, there's two great things there. One, I like any phrase uh, that contains the series of words, going to get me uh. I like that. Also, I like any phrase that contains the series of words, what can you do? Those are the two ways to my heart right there. Excellent.
1: Uh, several uh, pedestrians scattered when they heard the cracking glass. All this glass started coming down, and I, heard, uh, you, you could hear, like, something impacted. Like,
6: hit the window up there, and I looked up, and all this glass just started, like, all over
1: coming down. And, I mean, people were, like, running, ass.
0: What? Never mind. Forget I, forget I asked. Don't play it again.
1: Cockroaches rain down on a police officer and cover a child in a house of filth. This is from Leesburg, Florida. Thousands Uh, of roaches.
0: I'm totally unprepared. I was. Oh my. Look at you. You can't even pass. All right.
1: Thousands of roaches rained down on an officer, and they were spotted crawling over an infidence out of Central Florida house. Uh. They were checking the home of Deborah Chappelle and James Sievers and found the couple and a two year old living in a house described as not being fit for animals. The house uh, looked like a horror novel. The report described thousands of roaches swarming inside the structure. An officer wrote that he had to jump back when he opened a refrigerator because of the number of roaches raining down on him. Jump back! They are inside the cupboards, crawling around on a child in a crib. There is <gasps> There was no ventilation inside the home, only two fans. There was a sickly smell surrounding the outside of the structure. Uh, images of a sink showed dirty dishes in the floor covered with debris. Officers said they could barely walk through the house. The two-year-old child removed. It is believed the family had only lived in a home for about four
0: months. That's a long... You know, that's a lot of filth to get done in just 120 days. Mm -hmm. It's almost admirable in some horrible way.
1: A man was killed trying to steal a copper cable that was carrying 11,000 volts. Kirk Cameron Thompson was electrocuted at the derelict steelworks outside of South Wales when his bolt cutters pierced the plastic coating of a cable still connected to the national grid. (laughs) Britain has been hit by a plague of metal thefts that try to be like America. Uh, thieves routinely rip long sections of copper cable from the side of railway lines or steel lead flashing from church rooms, ignoring health and safety warnings from the police. And, uh, let's see, uh, uh, oh, a two-ton bronze statue by the sculptor Henry Moore, valued at three million pounds at six million, was stolen. Police believe it was taken for its scrap metal value. You'd think somebody would see this. Britain isn't that big of a country.
0: Yes, you would. Uh, hey, loud. Loud, okay. Uh, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Call that's hopefully less loud. Hello, hi.
6: Hey, Rick. What's up? What's up? Well, you know what Anwar stands for? It's A N W R. It's the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge.
0: Okay, so the Anwar is a place in Alaska. Does anybody live there?
6: Um, no. The caribou. That's why we don't want to drill there.
0: All right. So there's. Just, so it's just like. A, is it like everything else in Alaska? Just a big flat and nothing?
6: No, actually, very little of Alaska is big, flat, and I worked up there for a bunch of years, and it's really beautiful. There's a lot of mountainous terrain. There's a lot of coastline, obviously, there. Fishing is right. the big deal, but um, the the tundra is real delicate. Once you step in it, your footprint stays there. You sink into it, so it's, it's real easy to destroy.
0: What kind of a job did you have that you were working in Alaska? Uh,
6: my uncle had a fishing lodge up there.
0: I always figure when somebody, no offense, takes a job in Alaska, like they're trying to avoid the skip tracer.
6: Nope, I was in high school. And my mom sent me up there every summer, so I'd work up there and I'd just come back with money, and I didn't get any trouble. You know, I come back here and you find out, you know, your friends, somebody got killed in a car crash, and somebody's in jail and all that. So my mom just sent me up there every year.
0: And also to become a man. Yeah, yeah, right. it was a lot of fun. Okay, okay. So wash okay, so that is a that is a, a reserve in Alaska, and then the other thing is someplace in Iraq that I don't care about. Yes. All right. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Okay. Appreciate you. it. There you go. All right. Fantastic. Uh, here's Tim Riley, ladies and gents. Well, that makes a lot more sense. Now. Yes, it does.
1: Two Kenosha boys who were 14 to 15 were accused of being an adult neighbor to death during a burglary that targeted a computer game device. It's pathetic, says the police chief. How can a 15-year-old and a 14-year-old murder somebody over an Xbox? Well, apparently it happened. They recommend uh, charges of first-degree intentional homicide, carrying a life prison term under state law. There's still an open investigation going on. Uh, Police reported recovering many of the items taken in the burglary, including the Xbox, some coins, jewelry, a purse, and a cell phone. It is a tragic event. Uh, Then we have uh, researchers hoping satellite images can help count kangaroo rats. This in California. Scientists plan to use satellite photos to count giant kangaroo rats, the first ever monitoring of the endangered species from outer space. Now, they're doing this from outer space. These creatures are not from outer space. Scientists will examine images taken from the same satellite used by Israeli defense forces to find patches of earth that have been taken over by rats as they gather food around their burrows. From that, they plan to get the first ever accurate population count of the rodents. By comparing the photos of 30 years of satellite images being released this by the U.S., researchers hope to better understand how the population of these rats has fluctuated the information will help scientists determine when cattle might be used to reduce non-native gases.
0: Are we, in fact, talking about an animal really called a kangaroo rat? Yeah. Because, you know, that just makes me think of that Warner Brothers thing, where it's like, you know, where, like, Sylvester goes in chasing, chasing the mouse or whatever, and then it's like that kangaroo with boxing gloves on that kicks him across the storeroom or whatever.
1: They are nocturnal rodents who hump on their back legs.
0: They have an <laughs> active... Where...
2: How big are they, does it say?
0: They? they wouldn't have made it past the rats. No, it's, it's a
1: two-legged rat.
0: Yeah, It's not a two-legged rat. You're making that up. That's there the is no, two le- no two-legged theres no 2 rat. You are lying.
1: Maybe the rat... Let me rat. see a photograph. Maybe the rat has his hands in his pocket yeah. picture, or it didn't
0: happen. Maybe it has his hands in his pocket. Well, oh, that is not... I wish I hadn't looked at that. Okay, Tim, I'm sorry. I apologize now to you. A, I should. I erase that image, God. I, I sh- erased that image. I shouldn't have doubted you. And wow, I wish I hadn't looked at that creature.
2: Oh, no, I have to look at it.
0: Do you really want to look at it? Yes. You want to see something really scary? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. I'm going to hand you this. Uh, I, how big is this rat? I mean, is it like rat-sized or is it kangaroo-sized? It this, doesn't specify. This kangaroo I rat. I only got so far in the that's story. That's an unnerving-looking creature. That shouldn't be. But it is. See? It's that's in the weird. Desert. That's what I'm saying. That, that the thing shouldn't... Uh... That thing shouldn't exist. That's like a Moreau rat or something like that. Rats is. don't
2: bother me. I think it's kind of cute.
0: Rats don't bother me either, but that rat is walking on its hind it's legs weird. and it has no like front it's legs
2: in body or something. If, if, you you were
1: going to come into work and find a sign
0: posted on your door saying kangaroo rat. You know here. what that thing looks like? It looks like a rat crossed with a miniature sort of T-Rex kind of a thing. Yeah. If it's walking upright and it doesn't it, it either doesn't have front legs or paws or whatever, or they're just all tiny.
1: They why don't you rather count them by satellite than standing there with a clicker?
0: I suppose that's a fair
1: point. Give given a choice.
0: All right. Uh, let's do this. We will continue with the news here. Uh, but uh, concurrently, Richie, we're going to take caller five here uh, to play for a pair of tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, which are going to be at the Schnitzer uh, in uh, December. December 2nd and 3rd. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. That is Friday tomorrow at the PCPA box office or at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, so right now we are going to play your choice. It's either going to be musical trivia or Bible Trivia for a pair of passes to see Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, for which tickets go on sale tomorrow. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We will uh, take that call uh, right now. Here's Tim Riley with more news for you.
1: So in case you haven't heard yet, people are throwing cash around. Like it's going to uh, solve all these problems. Now the Fed has announced $180 billion cash. Where is it going? It's going to fight the fires in the global financial crisis as leading central banks say they will join in to giving $300 billion. So that's $480 billion in total. The Federal Reserve says it is expanding its temporary arrangements for the banks to obtain $180 billion to provide dollar funding for both term and overnight liquidity operations by other central banks. The move was to fight continued and elevated pressures in U.S. dollar uh, short-term funding markets. The Fed's uh, statement concerns reciprocal agreements with several other central banks which had authorized to run up to January 30th of 2009. That's another four and a half months. So if we keep throwing money at this, sooner or it'll, as soon as it'll later, fix everything. Tim, it'll fix everything.
0: You know, here's what I don't understand. I and mean, you know, we talk about this a lot, and less anybody think it's just become some weird combination of Maxim magazine and Dave Ramsey, the reason we're talking about this is because it's it's what's on the minds of the people. And plus, it, we're I think we just are really like way more effed than anybody really sort of is realizing. I mean, that would be my general read on it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we really seem to be we seem to be deep in the suck right now financially. And I know that a lot of people are sort of like the candidates are kind of glossing over it and whatever, but uh, am I correct in my assessment that we are really deeply and totally screwed right now? Yes. I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot of bad going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, so here's a dumb question. I'm going to ask you this because you're way smarter about money than anybody else on the show. So my question to you is, if you're one of these lending institutions or these banks or whatever, And you're basically taking it in the shorts now because you gave a bunch of people loans or mortgages or whatever on stuff that they could not possibly afford. Correct. And so then none of them were able to pay you back. And so then the bank now owns all of this stuff that the owner isn't paying for and that the bank is now going to have to cover, but the bank doesn't have the money to do it. Right. And so now the bank comes to the government and says, hey, government, we're a bank. We lent all this money to some jackasses who couldn't afford it, and now it's on us. And now we don't have the money either, so give me a little help. It's not. Here's what it's like. It's like in Rounders. It's like in Rounders when Worm, who is Matt Damon's sidekick, as uh, played by Ed Norton, it's, on, it's when like Matt Damon vouches for Ed Norton, and Ed Norton, of course, loses all this money and then vanishes in the wind, and it's on Matt Damon because Matt Damon vouched for him. Except Matt Damon doesn't have the money either. So Matt Damon's got to go to the loan shark and go, hey, I vouched for this guy who effed me, and guess what? I don't have it either, so you got to help me. So that's kind of what's happening here. Right. So my question is, it seems like it wouldn't even be legal for banks to be lending like, more money than they had to cover. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if a bank's going to lend a billion dollars, doesn't it seem like it ought to be the law that the bank has a billion dollars laying around to cover that if it all goes sour? Right. So well, is that not the case?
1: Well, well that's what, uh, say, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were buying these, but there were just so many of them that they couldn't cover it. So now there are these, of course, they have foreclosures now and short sales. Short sales are like a home is about to go into foreclosure, but if you buy it now, you may be able to save it. So that's another kind of sale that the banks are offering now. So not just foreclosures, but short sales of things that are about to go into foreclosure. That's how bad it is. Yeah. It, it, so there are, different, there are different kinds. There are people already in foreclosure and some just teetering on the brink. And that one of the options is the short sale. And that means they'll accept less than the total right, amount Right,
0: right, right.
1: So that's going on now.
0: It's just weird. It just seems like it. just seems like the banks or these lending institutions were themselves just kind of kiting checks, mm-hmm. you know, and figuring that the people they lent the money to, bless you, figuring the people they lent the money to would pay them back and that they wouldn't get called on it. And, of course, you know, everybody defaulted. And so, again, it's on the banks and they themselves don't even have money. So, of course, then who pays for it? As Eric Boghossian would say, you, John Q. Sucker. All right. Well, whatever. So that's what happens. All right. Let's uh, let's do this before we do anything else, Tim. Let's play a little Bible and or musical trivia oh, for a pair of passes to see uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Well, here's the thing. Uh, they're going to get one. Th- th- whoever this is is going to get the pick. Uh, if they get it wrong, they don't get it right. Uh, we're going to go to the next person and they're going to play whichever version of the game we want them to play. Hi, who's this? This is Jim. Hello, Jim. How are you today?
6: I'm swell,
0: thanks. All right, sir. On the line now, a pair of passes to see Jesus Christ Superstar when it comes to the Schnitzer. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. You can win them right now. It is your choice. What would you prefer, trivia about a musical or trivia about the Bible?
13: Uh, let's take Bible. All right, you're Damn. taking
0: Bible trivia now. Is that correct, Bible yep, trivia? That's, yep,
13: that's correct. All right.
0: All right, sir. In the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 3, I believe, there are three men cast into a fiery furnace for refusing to genuflect before a giant golden statue. They are then saved by an angel of the Lord who appears in the furnace to protect them from the flames. Can you name, sir, any two of the three men thrown into the fiery furnace?
13: Well, how about Chadrach and Abednego?
0: Hey, there you go. Were you just leaving out the other guy just to, just to, be, just to like show off? <laughs> can you name just out of you've already won, but can you name the third guy?
2: Uh, maybe Meshach.
0: There you see, there you what, go. What
2: were the names of them?
0: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Thrown wow, into the I fiery have furnace. That. Yeah, did you did, did they not drill that story into you? No. Yeah. Oh man, when I was growing up they not only drill I my mom, because we were all you know, my mom was a nutcase. And so all for there was a period of time where all of my books, all of my tapes, all of my music came from the Bible bookstore where it was like a a Jesus-y and less fun version of a real thing. So rather than getting like a Spider-Man read-along book, I would get a Bible read-along book where you'd put in the cassette, and they would read you the Bible story while you sort of followed along in this like big-ass picture book.
2: Oh, we had like Bible songs, but we didn't have the Bible specifically. We had like Salty the Singing Songbook, who would sing songs about Jesus.
0: Salty the Singing Songbook. Yeah,
2: he was big and blue, and he'd sing songs about God and how you should love everybody and stuff.
0: Can you remember any of those songs?
2: Uh, I don't think it, i you know. If I heard them, I, they would probably just click right. You know, with me. somebody
0: online right now, find me ass- a salty the singing songbook sounder, so Sarah can sing. S-
2: salty, but it's spelled P-S-A-L-T-Y. Like a psalm, a psalm book.
0: Nah. uh Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are made to bow before a golden statue, where they were they, they ordered to bow. They refuse. Uh, the man throws them into the fire, where they're supposed to be consumed. And then they look in, and there's a fourth man in the fire, and the fourth man, of course, an angel who saves Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well done, well remembered. You are a true man of God. You are going to see Jesus Christ Superstar uh, when it comes to the uh, schnitzer this December. Congratulations, my friend. Why, thank you. All right, put you on hold, Richie Bristol. You want to get that guy's contact info? All right. You know, the follow-up question. Here's the thing. If that guy had gotten it wrong, the next person wasn't going to be given the choice. They were going to have to answer uh, a God question, and it was going to be uh, they were forced to or ordered to bow before a statue of who? Anybody know? Anyone? Mueller? No. no. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ordered to bow down before a giant statue of Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> I like that word. That's what I'm talking about. Nebuchadnezzar. I barely knew words. Here's Tim Riley.
1: Hutt of Investments has just announced it is closing its $12 billion prime money market fund. The move is designed to limit losses to investors. Well, that that's us full of confidence, doesn't it? The fund is now open only to institutional investors. It's an indication of the financial crisis now threatening investments. Uh, well, apparently this fund used to be among the safest. Mm-hmm. The Washington Post reports Putnam said in the statement decided to close the fund after receiving a large number of redemption requests. So I'm sure a lot of people are moving uh, money around right now. Yeah. And uh, Washington Mutual uh, is denying that uh, Wells
0: Fargo or Citicorp Bank is interested in buying them. Now here is, uh, I, I keep asking you questions, uh, assuming that you know them because you seem to know everything. So in your assessment of the situation... Is Washington Mutual, is this like a preemptive bias? Like, they're, they're, they're not in trouble now?
1: Well, they are in trouble now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, They've been in trouble for a while. But not
0: like the big. This no, a, no.
1: They, their, their trouble has been festering for a long time. It I like, continues to be in business. I
0: like the word fester.
1: Well, I use it a lot.
0: All right. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with Bob Costantini, High Concept Thursday, and the more. Here's uh, Tim Riley.
1: Uh, so we already did this Fed story. Yeah, okay, so the international market is going to get $300 million. The domestic market is $180 million, so that's not too bad. A uh, 13-year-old, a Pupka, Florida woman, is arrested on suspicion of having sex with a 16-year-old boy after six videos with a child were found on her cell phone. Yeah. Stacey Sheldon accidentally left her cell phone on at the boy's house. The boy's sister discovered the phone and found the video showing Sheldon having sex with her brother. Oh, Oh, and modern technology. Really. Uh,
0: goggles, they do nothing.
1: Apparently, uh, she's being held on only $1,000 bail.
0: Where is this at? Florida. Oh, well, of course. I'm sorry. I didn't even. Thanks so much. All right. Let's take a break. Come back after this. Uh, Bob Noodles Costantini joining us uh, from the Hill. Uh, we will have High Concept Thursday. We'll announce the glorious bastard of the week. Later on, more news from Tim Riley and the top five songs that spell something out. Stay there, it's a Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Uh, uh, uh. Now let's get it all in perspective for all y'all enjoyment—a
1: song y'all can step with. Y'all appointed me to bring rap justice, but I ain't five
5: o.
7: Y'all know.
0: Is this? And why is Bob Costantini being made to hear it on hold? Oh, I
2: forgot Bob had to he hear it. Hello, Bob. We'll get
0: him in just one moment. Is this
2: this is, uh, salty? The singing song.
0: Is he literally just a book that sings?
2: He's super creepy. He's like a giant blue book. But there are two versions. There's the cartoon version, and there's the actually like real person version with the creepy man with a blue painted face.
3: Uh huh.
0: Now do you suppose there was somebody? Um, do you suppose there was somebody who had to paint his face blue? Because otherwise, you know, he's just—he'd have to. Uh, it doesn't really work. Does it? I know, it doesn't, really it, doesn't, really it doesn't. It doesn't really work. All right, let's. let's all sing it. Come on, everybody. Uh huh. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio Correspondent. Oh, Are we just going to use this? All right, Bob Costantini. Hello, Bob.
4: Hi. I, I don't mean to you know, offend anyone of faith, but please make it stop. <laughs> that's,
0: that's okay. Uh, look, here's the thing. George, George Carlin said something one time that was kind of 80% true. He said the only good thing to This is George Carlin saying this. He said the only good thing to come out of religion was the music. And I would say that that is true, generally speaking. But let's not delude ourselves. Yes. Uh, of, the, of the bad religious music that is out there, 100% of that 20% comes from Christians. I'm simply going to say that as a fallen Catholic. You know, right. I mean, look, I mean, what do you, like, you don't ever hear, let me put it this way, you don't ever really hear some awful, uh, like, klezmer music, you know, sort of sort of polluting the airwaves or, like, being in a mall or something, right? I mean, really bad, terrible, treacly religious music always does come from the Christian community. I I don't really know why that is. They do seem, for better or worse, to have a have a monopoly on that particular brand of horror. So,
4: but classical much of classical music, uh, though, is also uh, religious based.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. there's so say, yeah. a lot of you know the hymns and so forth. Need the
4: solemnness. And I would
0: actually say that to this day, some of my favorite. This is why I sort of uh, this is a sort of a microcosm of a much larger thing. But this is, people, a lot of times, you know, it's sort of. We, we we do sort of go in different directions sometimes in terms of our views of politics or public policy or whatever. But this is kind of why it annoys me whenever some jackass files a lawsuit to keep kids in a music class from singing like a hymn or a Christmas hymn or something. Because, you know, the music is really just music. It doesn't really matter what it's about, you know, for the most part. But, you know, some of the most beautiful music... Uh, ever created by humans did sort of spring from religion uh, yes. and stained glass windows let's not forget that yes. so that being said man i got to say i think the, the i don't remember when the last good religious song was written it might in fact be silent night because and that's from what like 1870 or something. I, I
4: I don't have that off the tip of my tongue. It was a German
0: guy. <laughs> it was called Steilernacht or something.
4: Steilernacht.
0: I, I really don't believe. I think probably since then I can't really think of a of a really great religious song that's come out that has impressed me at it all. It's just like bad Carrie Underwood music. There's just no call for it, Bob. <laughs>
4: Anywho, you you want me to offend just, uh, some of your audience?
0: No, no I do that I do that myself. I will say that I do quite like klezmer music. And in fact, <laughs> just, just last night I was actually listening to this band Klezmocracy, who uh, were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, this is my final observation here. Da 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 da, klezmer music. What was my final observation going to yes. be? Wait, no. Well, you oh. remember
4: the folk masses of the uh, 1970s.
0: Sort of. Also. Uh, yeah, well, I went to a Catholic school. Yeah. And they it was this weird sort of mixture of very traditional and sort of mm-hmm. folky or hippie or whatever you want yeah. to call it. And so it was traditional in the sense that it was, you know, very sort of scary and, you know, a lot of fire and brimstone and whatever. But the music director they had at my church, which was also my school, uh, was this nun. I won't identif- identify her by name. She was a truly awful person. Uh, and just in every way, just a black-hearted, horrible succubus of a woman. But uh, she did have this thing where she was the music director and all of her songs were these weird hippie songs. And like she would, she would teach us these alleged hymns, which were just a bunch of like... It was like a bunch of sitting around the campfire lesbian seagull nonsense. All of her songs sounded like that scene in the movie Airplane where the stewardess is singing to the sick girl and she's doing that. I've traveled the banks of the river of Jordan. Song, you know, to the whatever. Yeah. That's what all these songs sounded like. Uh, yeah. And it was just a bunch of, uh, it was a bunch of touchy-feely claptrap, is what it was, Bob.
4: Folk songs, um, uh, folk mass songs were designed to be, a sort of a hip kind of way of, uh, of going to mass.
0: Yeah. Do you share Too my well. assessment that religion uh, should not try to be hip?
4: I. <laughs> I, uh, I I probably should stay away from this. But, on a scale uh, of
0: one to ten, how uncomfortable is this whole discussion making you? Uh,
4: relatively so. All right. Then. Because uh, uh, CNN uh, always makes sure there's a tight rein around us here about these kinds of things. Of course. Well, <laughs> moving on, then. Uh, so,
0: um, I don't know. Well, I was going to say this, this is sort of strange, then, that we immediately go from this to talking about uh, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Um, yeah. yeah. How do I put this? Um is the McCain campaign, to your to your knowledge, is the McCain campaign, does their attitude seem to be, look, we'll just kind of take the heat wherever we can get it. We'll take Buzz. Anyway, You know, any publicity, good publicity, anybody showing up is good for us. Because we heard these reports that people are coming to see John McCain and Sarah Palin, and then as soon as she's done, it's like they're just heading for the door. And I wonder if they are a little afraid of that, because if she is a piece of gum out of which the flavor is going to be chewed pretty quickly... That might leave them with with a whole lot of nothing if this flash subsides.
4: Well, the McCain campaign certainly um, uh, has gotten a lot of uh, increased interest, increased publicity um, and a boost from the uh, candidacy of Sarah Palin. Uh, There's no question about it. But as as we learn more about her um, today, we read about an interview uh, that Senator Republican Senator Chuck Hagel of Nebraska did with the local paper. Saying that he didn't believe Sarah Palin was cut out to be president and had any kind of experience enough to be president of the United States, and Hengel has often gone against his party. Uh, he's has been a you know, longtime critic now of the Iraq War, um, but uh, there are there are chinks there are chinks in the armor uh, that seem to be coming uh, not only from uh, you know from the Democrats of course, but uh, also from uh, some Republicans here and there who every once in a while let out something that uh, they might be feeling inside. Peggy Noonan? The, uh, yes, that, that's, uh, that's uh, certainly one uh, example of that kind what? of thing. But, uh, but so far, not a lot of this has stuck to the point where it seems to be hurting the McCain camp. You know, um, uh, the, the latest polls show it's dead even.
0: Well, that, that, that was actually just what I was going to talk to you about. And this is yeah. sort of half question, half opinion. So I, I apologize for that in advance. Sure. And I'll try to make clear what is opinion, what is not. But mm-hmm. my wife and I were watching CNN last night because we are brand loyal. <laughs> and uh, Anderson Cooper was the, you know, they had the John King and that great map, that electoral map he does, which I dig. that That map is just the zinkiest thing ever. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the states that are in the bag, states that are Advantage, in other words, yeah. leaning one way or the other, and then the battleground states. And he was pointing out, he said, well, you know, look, when all is said and done, you know, it's all tied up, basically. we got a country that's split yeah. 50-50. And my wife said, well, look, this is like three elections in a row where we got things that are seen impossibly close, literally like 49.8 to 49.8 with like three Ron Paul supporters, like, you know, in the middle or whatever. And she said, "How how is it possible? You know, she she wasn't saying it was a conspiracy, but she said it's almost like, it's almost like they're sort of jiggering these figures about to keep us interested. And in, and really, it would be my opinion right. that you know, Pat Buchanan talked about that culture war back in '92. He I don't know if he coined it, but he talked about yeah. that. And it seems to me, I'm not saying issues aren't important, but I'm saying I feel like politicians now, you know, they talk about issues, they give lip service to issues." But I think we as a country, as an electorate, have settled on cultural issues just in our own heads. We have settled on cultural or moral issues, whatever you want to call it, as being the thing that's the most important. We can all say we want jobs and we want money, we want health care. But I think we've figured out now that people don't vote on that. People vote on these cultural issues. And that is why, almost irrespective of what anybody says in terms of their platform, these cultural issues or perceived cultural issues are where people cast their votes, and that's why it almost doesn't matter what Sarah Palin says. Well, I'll put it this way. My in-laws are going to vote for Sarah Palin and John McCain no matter what, no yeah. matter what. And frankly, look, it goes both – my wife, God love her, my wife will vote for Barack Obama and Joe Biden you could get a picture of of, of Barack Obama machine-gunning kittens, and my wife would still vote for him because she views it as a cultural grudge match. And it seems like it almost then doesn't matter what Sarah Palin says.
4: Yeah, it's it's, um, it's a comfort thing, uh, by and large. It's a comfort level uh, sort of thing. Uh, this is the way we vote for president. Um, we don't usually, you know, we don't get to... Sit down with them. We don't get to visit them at their office if we have a problem, if we have a, a permit issue right. problem or something like that. It always boils down to a comfort level, uh, thing, it seems to me, especially, uh, nowadays, at least since I've been of voting age, right. really. Um, it's, you know, you, you can't sit and chat with the president the way you can with local officials sometime. Um, uh, so you just, you have to decide whether or not you're comfortable with a particular person. And again, it's the, um, whether it be the cultural issues or uh, just some economics things uh, I mean the cultural issues do define uh, a lot of the uh, the voters who are undecided right now right um, everybody you know as you say everybody wants good jobs everyone wants good schools etc um, it's just the a, a question of comfortable uh, on uh, some issues and just the fact whether you, you Really, you know, you think you you like that person, you're comfortable with that person. Right. As,
0: as we sort of um, wrap this up, and, and I, I don't have the rest of the sheet in front of me, so I apologize if this isn't something you're necessarily talking about, but we've been talking a lot about the economy and the, the, everything sort of imploding and how we're on the brink of, uh, yeah. we are, as, as Barry McGuire would say, on the eve of destruction. <laughs> and speaking of the president, here's a, a dumb question, and I really ask this only because I'm wondering. So we've got... The worst financial crisis, in, depending on who you listen to, in seven years, in a generation, since the Great Depression. I mean, it, it, it does seem to be just, it, there's no good. It's just a shade of bad, depending on who you listen to. Yeah. Where is George W. Bush? I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to be flip about that or, or, or snarky. I mean, this, this is a real big, people are terrified. People yeah. are panicked. Why isn't George W. Bush on television saying, look, here's the deal. Like, here's what's happening. We're yeah. trying to fix it here's what we're doing. Maybe it's going to work well. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's going to fix immediately. Maybe it won't. But like, here's the deal. Here's what's going on. And here's what we're doing about it.
4: Well, Rick, uh, he was uh, literally on television this morning right. about making a statement from the White House. Oh, fair enough. Um, which, uh, you know, but then again, he did not take questions. And he was very uh, generic, very vanilla in what he said. Nice. Uh, we have word now that this afternoon he did meet with the Treasury Secretary and others involved in monitoring this whole situation. Uh, and there is word, and the stock market uh, suffered, uh, not suffered, but uh, revived quite a right, bit right. Um, at the word that the government may set up a separate entity that would take on the troubled debts of financial institutions.
0: Yes. Nothing nothing solves the problem like more government.
4: Yeah, <laughs> well, um, that's – uh that is yeah. the – that's something that's actually been put forth by some Democrats as well as Republicans. It's just a question of uh, whether or not Congress would ever agree to doing it this way, uh, especially prior to the election. That could really be a, uh, a key issue.
0: All right, then. My friend, it is always a pleasure. You're on tomorrow, are you not? Uh, yes, I am. All right. We will talk to you then. Enjoy your afternoon, tomorrow. Bob. Take care. All Thanks. Right, here you go. Bob <laughs> Costantini right here. tried that all right there you go I like Bob Costantino I
2: like him a lot
0: but really can you think of a great religious song uh made in the last hundred years I mean I think Silent Night's from like 1850 or something Mm -hmm. I think it was just the turn of the century but I mean it seems like we've we've passed the point where we're going to get good new religious songs it's like getting new classical music
2: onto the whole like Christian rock kind of that's
0: what I'm saying that's nobody's you we had to do a whole day where we do bad Christian rock
2: Oh, I'm down for that.
0: Can do it tomorrow. Okay. I could bring in a bunch of my old Petra records. That's right. I said Petra. In your face. I have my face.
2: old MXPX records. Now see what? I the... still like MXPX.
0: No, but what is the deal with MXPX? I, they don't sound like a Christian band.
2: They were there. There's like I don't know one or two mentions of God and everything because they were on they were on Tooth and Nail for a long time. Then they went on to like a bigger record label, and then they went. I think now they're back on Tooth and Nail, which is a Christian rock right, you know, right label.
0: Because they've some, I only know like a few of their songs, but they have some songs I really, really like, and it doesn't matter if be Christian oh, no, or not. Oh, they're
2: great, like little pop-punk songs. Oh, um,
0: no, they're, um, yeah. They're, no, they I, reference
2: like um, Wheaton Way and like all these places in Bremerton, you know, that I'm very familiar with. And I would have
0: nothing against them for being a Christian band, it's just, uh, it's, it, here's the thing, and this is my one observation, that we'll do high concept Thursday, and let me just give the high concept actually now. Uh, today's high concept topic, the worst fashion idea ever was. The worst... We will also accept tackiest by the way the judges will also accept tackiest the worst slash tackiest fashion idea ever was it's uh five oh three seven three three two nine seventy five oh three seven three three two nine seventy the worst slash tackiest fashion idea ever was um what was my point going to be? Ah, so there there was a time when Christian music, let's say the religious music, was overtly so. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, if you were a Christian band, you sang about Christ, and I'm not, then I don't say that to be to be jerky or whatever. It's mean, fine Did you sing about God or don't. But that sort of then morphed over time to where it was enough just to say in articles, in interviews, I'm a Christian, and not to sing about like guns and whores.
2: Now they kind of hide the Jesus in the song.
0: Right. Well, it's in in other words, it's now not about being. Proactively Christian, it's just about not being proactively vile, Mm -hmm. which is how you get bands like P.O.D. You know, and those bands that are sort of like, well, we're a Christian metal band. And it's like they don't ever really sing about God. I guess it's just that because we're supposed to accept the fact that they're not singing about drugs and underage humping as de facto God singing. Well, then
2: they can, like, double or triple the places um, to which their music sold. They say Christian rock, you know, that just that takes them. Right. And not only in, you know, like, the best buys of the world, but in every single Christian bookstore there is.
0: Here's a question. Do you remember, and maybe they weren't, it was or was not Creed marketed as a religious band? Creed was. Were they marketed as a yeah. Christian rock band? See, I can't really remember. It's so they all sort of like blend together in my head at this point. So, all right, uh, and this is all true. All right, it is High Concept Thursday. The worst slash tackiest fashion idea ever was Sarah Dillon.
2: God, there's so many. Maybe I'll just maybe I'll start with the haircut the haircut with when all the girls that we talked about before with the, like the shaving all underneath your yeah. hair and having it floppy on the top
0: yeah that's no good that is
2: like the worst thing ever and plus all the girls I had I knew who did that like you know spent the next four years of their lives growing it back out
0: totally uh or and stirrup pants Stirrup pants. Yeah. They, they
2: never fit properly. No. And they make your legs shapeless, like little triangles, and like you're like trying to pull them up, and yeah, it's yeah. Either they're too high or they're like falling down.
0: By the way, that that haircut only works on girls that are trying to attract other girls. That's really the only place it looks good. I mean, nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying, you're trying to land yourself a man at the uh, at the mall. Don't shave the back of your no, head, as no, no. you, you look like a tool.
2: What no. about you? What did you?
0: Oh, worst fashion idea ever: hypercolor clothing you remember that?
2: Oh, yeah. No, I had hyper-color. That's exactly
0: what I was My armpits to turn purple while I'm wearing a shirt. Thanks so much, jackass. All right. And they made hype. Do you know they actually made hyper-color pants?
2: Oh, I remember. No, I had a light purple shirt that would turn, like, bright orangey pink.
0: Look at my blue crotch. Why would you ever make clothing that showed where your body was getting hot? And let me just say this. I won't work blue, so to speak. But, uh But I mean, sometimes for women, that was a little awkward. If you were wearing a shirt that reflected parts of your body that were maybe... Warmer. Warmer or cooler. You know what I'm saying. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. The worst or tackiest fashion idea ever was.
11: Yeah, well, I've got I've got one, but... Is this George
0: from Wilsonville?
11: No, no, this what is Alexander.
0: You sound, no offense, sir, you sound a lot like this guy, George from Wilsonville, who called us, he was one of our sort of character callers, you know, the guy called a lot and had sort of his own kind of deal going on.
11: Oh, I remember George. And I think
0: he was, I think he was taken away with Kurt Cameron. All right, what is your, what's your submission, sir?
11: Well, I have a submission and an observation. Yeah. Did you call your uh, music director at your school a succubus?
0: Uh, no, at my church.
11: Okay. Do you know what a succubus is?
0: It's a demon that comes in the has relations with you while you're asleep and then steals your soul, right?
11: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just so you just so you know the uh, now she was a pervert her her too. Her.
0: Now we've talked about her before on the show. I, I won't ever give her name. She was a, uh, in my opinion, my opinion only. This is simply my opinion. Yes. Uh, she was not only a horrible person but in my assessment had a an overweening and i believe unhealthy uh interest in very young boys
11: well maybe she was a succubus
0: that's what i'm saying all right what do you got sir uh
11: do you remember in the early uh 90s there were those uh nylon jackets that were black and also fluorescent orange and they had a big pocket right on your tummy
9: totally
0: totally and
11: all kinds of of uh of collars and
0: it was like a fanny pack stitched into your jacket
11: right and then you thought it would be so cool to put your wallet and your keys and maybe a nerf football
0: totally yeah
11: in your stomach pocket and then you walk around looking like a jackass
0: yeah no i'm with you on that sir. thank you my friend
11: good day all right high concept
0: thursday what's the worst or tackiest fashion idea ever go is this me yes it is sir hello
7: Oh, without a doubt, wearing your clothes backwards like crisscross. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was awful.
0: And
2: I thought Sarah could appreciate. that. Now here's that. the thing: is totally. I don't.
0: Maybe it's because I was already maybe 20, 19 when that came out. I don't really remember knowing anybody who did that. Oh
2: my God, I knew. That's when I lived in Seattle. Like we had
6: crisscross day in middle school.
2: Really, yeah. crisscross yeah. day. Yeah, it was uh,
4: awesome.
0: You know, it's never crisscross day anywhere ever again. And you know, it's always
4: if... crisscross day
2: in my heart. Uh, extra points, if your clothes are backwards, and they were also cross colors. Uh,
0: now, what are you say that a lot. What are cross colors? Cross
2: colors was like a, a brand back then. It was just like the biggest brand ever, and they used lots of like, um, you know, like reds and, and greens. Big solids. And yeah, like big solids. Interesting. Colors.
0: It's always crisscross day in your heart. What's your name, sir? Tyler from the Coop. Hey, Tyler, uh, you know what? I'm going, to use my, uh, I'm going to use my executive authority here. Hold on. Hey, Richie, do we have a pair of sport fight passes? Yes, we do. Hey, sir, do you want to go see sport fight at the Rose Garden tomorrow?
6: I think my brother and I would love that.
0: All right, I'm going to put you on hold. Everybody else, don't don't be trying to win everything just by saying something clever. You just, by, by saying it's always crisscross day in my heart, you're going to go see sport fight. Hold on, sir. Uh, Richie, he's online, too. You want to get that guy? Sport fight 24, domination tomorrow night. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
4: Hey, Rick. What's up, sir? Two, two things. Uh, first one, Cod piece. Two, that uh, shirt with muscles drawn on that uh, the Edge used to wear in concert in, like, 96.
0: Totally. You know, and, and, you know, a lot of times rock stars can make things work that ordinary humans couldn't, like Axl Rose in a kilt. Uh, uh, that that was made to work by nobody. Even the Edge it, couldn't make it cool.
4: Edge, Edge was bald, and he had the handlebar mustache and the cowboy hat. It was yeah. a whole lot of bad.
0: Yeah, no, he's a whole... And then he had that... Weird video where he's like, I'm sorry, that was me. Uh, He has that thing where he's in a knit cap being licked by a bunch of women. It's no good.
4: Oh, God, yeah. All right.
0: Thank you, sir. Hey, no problem. All right. High Concept Thursday. The worst or tackiest fashion idea ever was?
4: Three words. Fat, people, spandex.
0: Well, that's more of a fashion choice than an idea, but I (laughs) I get where you're going. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, were stirrup pants the same thing as stretch pants?
2: Yeah, stretch pants, I mean, stretch pants are stretch pants, but they don't have, like, the, you know what stirrup pants are. Like, they have the stirrup that goes underneath. Right, right?
0: but, you see, the, the only time I ever saw the stirrup was on stretch pants.
2: Well, yeah, I guess they might be the same thing, but stretch are stretch pants leggings, then?
0: Mm, well, they were basically, here, I, I, uh, I, I, won't, I won't identify where, but I, I dated a girl who wore, like, nothing but white stretch pants with Ew. the stirrup, with the stirrup under the foot. And they were, like, the only, they're, like, really sheer, ultra-tight sweatpants, basically. That's the only way to describe it. like, thin Tight sweatpants, or maybe spandex made out of cloth. If okay. that makes sense, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, those, yes, those are different. Yeah, they're very tight cloth pants. That, I
2: think stretch pants are different than leggings. Yeah, leggings, we, are ten,
0: leggings are like the footless thing. Yeah. That's like the thing of like leg warmers, right?
2: No, leggings are like what what you see me like wear under dresses. That oh like, yeah, like no, no, pants, no, this is not those. Don't, that are like footless tights, but yeah. like a little thicker material. No,
0: this is not those. Okay. This was like bad stretchy. Almost like spandexy material that you would wear as like a pair of pants around the office, but with a stirrup. Okay. Yeah, the stirrup on anything. Stirrup is an unpleasant word. Makes you think of speculum. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Uh, worst or tackiest fashion idea ever?
6: Polka dots and uh, tank tops for men.
0: You know, wait, do you mean polka dots for men and tank tops for men or tank so tops for men two and polka separate dots? bad ideas. All right. I have to say that I am a polka dot enthusiast. Uh, but uh, tank tops for men, I'm with you on that, sir. All right. All right. Thank you. High concept Thursday, worst or tackiest fashion idea ever. Go. Uh,
6: Zubaz pants.
0: Those
6: are the uh, pants that uh, the weightlifters used to wear.
0: Oh, like muscle pants, like hammer yeah. pants. Yeah. Yeah. Those and all, are. Well, I used to that, work with a guy named Jeff who wore those, and just makes you look like a douche.
6: Yeah, and then also that long black trench coat you used to sport.
0: Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right, there you go. It was charcoal. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Worst uh, fashion idea ever.
11: Got to be the facial piercing.
0: Well, I suppose that depends on the person. I think piercings, like tattoos, depends on where it is, how old you are, and what kind of person you are. So. Yeah,
13: I guess.
0: i got to say, the piercing on the right girl, right guy, you know, it's a good look. And the wrong person, no, you're right. It's like a terrible, it's a terrible travesty.
13: I just can't see myself kissing
6: some chick with her lip pierced. So, I mean, I don't know. All right. Totally crazy.
0: Fair enough. Thank you, sir. All right, I do one more bank here. Did High really... Concept Thursday. Hey, yes, it, yes, 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 it, yes. It, it, Well,
12: you're staring it in the face. It's uh, bad men. It's that blue Diagra tuxedo, the, fe, the fellow wears, with the fa, um, lace on the top and the... You know what I'm talking
0: about? Oh, you're about. talking about the full-on. Uh, the
12: Viagra. A- yes, the blue pants. <laughs> I mean, it's his wedding outfit.
0: Oh, you're talking okay. As the Beastie Boys said, the fly blue rental. You're talking about the powder blue tux with the ruffles. Yes,
12: yes, yes. yes. And those horrible tank tops that had the that were made out of chicken oh, uh, wire, or <laughs> something. You know, you could see everybody everything through. Like a
0: hands. mesh kind of thing. Yeah, and, mesh. There yes. you go. All right. Thank you. Also. At a certain point, they started making these tank tops for guys where the armhole like went all the way down to your waist, like the whole side was open.
2: I remember I was waiting my, for like the entire track season my senior year to win the tank because if you're like the the athlete of the day, then you got a free tank top. And right. I finally got mine and it was one of those old
0: all now, the way like, down to the bottom. All
2: the way down to the bottom. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Seriously,
0: and that's like if you're a girl, it's awkward because you either got to wear another thing underneath or like everybody can see your bra. Mm-hmm. It's no good. Higher on the Rick Emerson Show, worst fashion idea ever.
6: Polyester.
0: Well, polyester has its place, I suppose. No,
6: no, it doesn't.
0: <laughs> okay, thank you. Three more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Worst fashion idea ever. Hey, Rick. Yes.
9: Uh, parachute pants.
0: Parachute pants are good now. Here's the here's they they're a good idea only because it gives you an easy way to reference the 80s and the uh, you know it's a good it's like a good go to thing if you need to talk about hey I was in the 80s you were in the 80s but yeah. they didn't make any sense that was my whole thing is like. There was just no point to them. Like, what were the zippers for, really?
5: Right, exactly. And then you get the guys who put the bandanas all down the legs. Yes, you know?
0: my friend Jake did that. Yes. Yeah. All right. Real, Thank you, sir. All right. Bye. All right. Yeah, the 80s were all about zippers on things that didn't need them. 100 zippers on your jacket, 100 zippers on your pants, zippers on your ankles of your of your jeans so that you had to, like, lay down on your bed, pull the jeans on, and then zip down the ankle so they were totally tapered. It was like a girl thing. Also, Rouge Shoes. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. We'll do two more. Worst fashion idea ever.
6: Yeah, Rick. Uh, Super bell pants, narrow jackets, but the worst one's got to be wearing a big old clock around your retarded neck. Yeah, boy.
0: Right. Thank you. All right. And one more, and then we'll be done. Uh, High concept Thursday. Worst fashion idea ever. Go.
6: Denim on denim and then those stupid... Butterfly shirts the girls wore, with, like mm-hmm. no back. I mean, it was nice that you got to see some skin, but just terrible.
0: Butterfly shirt. Yeah, it was like a butterfly. Like the front of the shirt was like, looked like a butterfly. And shirt. it was and
2: all going, like cross hatched kind of on the Oh, fly. I totally know
0: what you're talking about.
4: Yeah, they were terrible.
0: Yeah.
2: My friend did it, a guy who always wore denim on denim called him Jean Jean.
3: Really?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, No good. All right, thank you, sir. Yep. All right, there you go. We'll take a break back after this. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. Have you news for us? Oh, yes. All right, news around the corner with Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio program. Tattoos faded in the sun? Oh, yeah. Is that just initially or forever?
2: I mean, no. I mean, if you know anybody who has tattoos, they, I would just probably put sunscreen on
0: them. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: just like how hair color fades or any other colors color fade.
0: Weird. Here's a dumb question about tattoos. Well, Tim, you don't have any tattoos, do you?
1: I don't think so, no, but I do wear sunscreen every day.
0: You wear sunscreen. I wear sunscreen. Tim, it's like it's like we're the same person somehow. I mean, I uh, I just can't uh, I can't believe how much we have in common. I She's a woman, and
12: I'm a woman, and um, I had five children. She has five. Here's what I
0: don't understand about tattoos. So taking a thing full of ink, jamming it into your skin, ink, tattoo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my whole thing is, like, you're constantly losing layers of skin. Like, your skin just sort of, like, wears away or, you know, whatever. So it seems like that ink would eventually reach the surface and be gone. Just a weird thing, isn't it?
1: I oh. guess it is.
0: I mean, it's just, it's very strange. Uh, it, it's like, you know what it is? It's like putting something halfway in a can of Pringles halfway down. You know, as you take Pringles off the top, eventually you'll get to the, where the thing is and then it'll be gone.
1: That is true. Maybe someone, someone I just did
0: that point. Star Trek thing right now, by the way, of taking a concept and then, like, uh, reducing it just absurdum, like down to just, like, like, the most unbelievable oversimplification that really has no relation to the real thing. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And
3: now, no. though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Yeah. Bankers
1: representing Morgan Stanley and Washington Mutual scrambled today to put together deals to save themselves. Once big investment banks like Bear Stearns, Merrill Lynch & Company, Lehman Brothers, they've lost their independence and their freedom, which made America great. Uh, and for time today, fears intensified, That the spreading credit crisis threatened to drag down the remaining global financial institutions
0: and Main Street banks alike. Here's something you should start using in your news, Tim. It's a nightmare on Wall Street. Oh, I like that. There you go. You can have that. I'll use that.
1: All right. Well, it's 90210 for Luke Perry. The former Beverly Hills 90210 star has been pressed with questions about a possible guest appearance on the new 90210 on the CW since it's, his uh, character Dylan McKay was mentioned in this week's episode. But Perry apparently has no interest in revisiting the rules, so uh, don't ask him again.
0: There's going to be Nary a Perry on the show? Oh. That's right. No. I
2: saw that. I watched it again this week. It is like it is terrible. I'm never going to watch it again.
0: Now, So you're off of that. I'm You've off of it. Off.
2: It is ridiculous.
0: Do you feel like, because uh, you guys were watching that, do you feel like it was created solely to cash in on the Gossip Girl thing?
2: Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's like they—they're they, trying to be Gossip Girl, but they're doing a very poor job at it. You know, plus the is... casting is terrible, terrible, and the acting is just even worse.
0: Do you suppose the acting was bad back then, but you have a blind spot for it?
2: No, because I still watch episodes now. You know, maybe it's out of nostalgia that I don't see the bad acting, but I think it was still pretty good.
0: Yeah, okay, fair enough. I didn't really ever watch the original that much, uh, and I've only seen the, you know, like half of like the of one episode of the new one. I saw yeah, that happen. the
2: Peach Pit is bland.
0: Now, but they've made it some like kind of electro hip hop club, haven't they? Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, that's no good. Hey, you know, here's something they should have done way back then. I I don't know why they didn't create little like peach club or peach club peach pit venues like around the around the country. That would have been genuine. that would have been great. Like they totally should have done it. You get a few big cities, you create a little peach pit. You can go there. I don't know why they didn't do that. Well, Another idea have. of mine gone to waste.
1: California regulators have issued a temporary order banning train operators from using cell phones while on duty. Uh, And they're renting all personal electronic devices, too, for uh, people who operate trains. This comes less than a week after a Southern California commuter train ran head-on to a freight train, killing 25. Uh, Federal authorities confirmed that on the day of the crash, that train engineer was text messaging on a cell phone while on duty. Then he ran a red light, slammed into a freight train in Chatsworth.
0: By the way, there was loss of life here, dozens of people, which is why I am not making any of the uh, pithy remarks that one might expect me to make uh in a story about a guy who caught an accident by text messaging so those uh those remarks will not be made by me they're going to stay in my head good for you all right well have a pleasant rest of the afternoon you want to hear uh, from a drunk guy who wants to talk about your sunscreen <laughs> sure all right uh hi you're on the rick emerson radio program are you in fact drunk sir
7: no
6: richie?
0: richie's retarded richie okay well first of all you think he's retarded he thinks you're drunk so both of you need to get in a room together and have a reality show obviously <laughs> one's a drunk, one's a retard. It's Frank and Richie. Morning's here.
2: Uh, anyway.
0: What's... <laughs> what? like a, the caller's moving me off. I'm no not
2: right. tolerate your inanity, Rick. Obviously, you've
0: had enough of my tomfoolery.
2: Why does Tim wear sunscreen every
6: day?
1: Is this
2: a joke?
0: Is this... Yeah, is this like a nun walks into a bar?
1: No. I want to know.
0: Well, first of all, you don't wear sunscreen every day, do you, Tim? Everyone should wear sunscreen every day. Oh, never mind. He does wear sunscreen every day because That's... everyone should.
1: Why? Are is you
0: asking cloudy? me? Are you asking me or Tim?
1: I'm asking Tim. It is a
0: healthy thing to do for your skin.
1: If it's cloudy outside, why do you need sunscreen? Oh wait, the I can
0: take okay. this one. I'll take okay. this one, Tim. So rarely, so rarely do I know anything, sir. Because clouds only filter out the sun that you might say the the naked eye sun. In other words, the, the sun that. Uh, The sun that that you can either ask or answer. Can't do both. (laughs) The clouds uh, make it seem as though it is dim or perhaps overcast or less sunny while still letting through UV rays, ultraviolet rays and infrared rays, which are the cause of sunburns and skin cancer, sir. Uh... Which is why you can be sunburned on a day when you didn't think there was much sun out. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. All right. Are you going to be drunk later? Well, maybe. All right. Well, we'll try to make Richie retarded later. Go put some sunscreen on. Go put on some sunscreen. All right. Thank you, sir. Try to
4: make him retarded later.
0: It's just a thing. We're going to... Thank you. Yeah. All right. One more thing. I let him do that. You know, I could have
1: hung up. It's it's for self-esteem. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let the caller be good at something. Uh, Let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick, sir. It was like a little it was like a little uh, like a little quota thing there, you know what I mean? Like a little that was an outcome based education kind of a deal. What's up, sir?
5: Hey, wasn't Mork and Mindy that a uh, high concept show of a drunk and a retard?
0: Was Mindy a drunk? I
5: don't well,
6: know. Well wait
0: a minute, and Mork wasn't he was he wasn't retarded, sir, he was an alien.
5: This is true. So I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, Christian rock, uh, specifically Creed. You guys brought up a good uh-huh. point. Yes, sir. Um I actually I grew up in Tallahassee and saw this is where they were from. Right. Saw the whole explosion of that horrible band. And they were never marketed as a Christian rock band per se. They're never on like,
4: you know, Sarah talked about tooth and nail. Never, never like that. Um, I think they just let people believe they were so they could sell more records.
0: Oh, yeah, fair enough. So they just uh, you know, so they just sort of, like, eh, they think we're Christian. We're not going to tell yeah. them we're not. Uh,
5: kind of uh-huh. like U2 like did it in a way for a while, you know, just like, oh, we're spiritual. Yeah, and, that's, that's and ambiguous, that's true. You know. yeah. I
0: forgot about that, that U2 sort of let themselves be marketed as kind of a godly band because they were all like Christian and Irish and whatnot.
10: Well, yeah, he has a hard accent to understand. So they're just like, "What is he saying?"
13: Oh
0: well. Well, and it was one of them. Who was the guy from U two? Was um uh, Larry Mullen, I think, was the one who was. He said once. He said one time in one interview, like, "Well, I almost became a priest," you know. And then like immediately, then I'll see they're men of God. Which, by the way, here's the thing: when a guy like that, when a guy from U two or whoever's in an interview and he says, "Well, I almost became a priest." That is great because it allows teenagers across the country to convince their skeptical, like, footloose parents uh, that, like, no, 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 it's okay to listen to me. That's like my mom would, tried to take my, my Phil Collins records at one point. Phil Collins is evil. And I was, and here's how dumb I was, and then we have to break. My mom was trying to take away my, all my records, including Phil Collins, which, of course, now seems just stupid. But <laughs> yeah. my big defense, though, was that Phil Collins couldn't be evil because he wore a sport coat while he was performing. Like, he had a blazer on, so therefore he couldn't be evil. Too well-dressed. Yeah, well, you know, or just like, you know, a minion of Satan wouldn't wear a sport coat. That would just be dumb. Satan's minions would be dressed very well. So. Yes. All right. And they're better looking. Yes. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. There you go. Is this more Mr. Salty? is Mr. Salty a pretzel? This is Creed, you whore. <laughs> oh, damn you.
9: <laughs> right. well, I Got right? to break.
10: Oh, that's
0: too bad. Darn. All right, back after this to wrap it up on the Rick Emerson radio program.
13: Thanks so much.
2: I didn't want you to miss
0: me. That's great.
2: Oh, we do have a strange obsession with Christian You know
0: I do or you do? We both? Oh, no, yeah, it's
2: true. It's a full-blown obsession. Man.
0: Well, because we both came from very religious families, very religious households, forced to go to church, in my case, forced to go to Catholic school. Oh, yeah. You, know, you were forced to go to confirmation, so. Well, I don't know. Ugh. All right, you know, sir, but that is no this.
9: Jesus is friend of life. Yes. he's my friend
0: so somebody sent me this whole album the other day. Uh, sadly, the album's not very good. And by that, I mean not very bad. The album is just, it sounds like bad, um, it's all like a bad Billy Joel
2: knockoff. This guy,
0: you were right when we were talking
2: about this. He looked exactly how he felt. Totally. He's total,
0: he like, nutball. Uh, don't forget go to 9:70 a.m. and take the zombie poll. What should the term for a, gr- a collective group of zombies be? What is the collective term for zombies? I will tell you right now a slaughter of zombies is in the lead, followed by a scourge of zombies, and then bring it up third place right now, a stagger of zombies. We'll uh, take votes all week, all weekend, and we'll announce it sometime next week. Go to 970.am, lower left-hand corner of the screen. Vote on the collective term for zombies. Do I have time for one call? Sure. All right. Let's do uh, one
4: call here. Hi, you're on the Rick
0: Emerson radio program. Hello, sir.
4: Hey, Rick. It's unfortunate for you that you weren't old enough to be sitting in church when the pastor was railing against Jesus Christ superstar. Uh, one of the songs whose uh, the disciples are singing what's the buzz tell me what's happening yes preacher just railed that it was promoting drug use and jesus didn't drink wine and then uh you know mary magdalene singing the uh you know i don't know how to love him so i think everybody should buy tickets and go get high and go watch it good for you thank you
0: sir Alright, there you go. Uh, let's see, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Bob Costantini, Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron, Geek in the City Duran, Rick Emerson, Show Produced Today and Everyday by the Lovely and Talented Sarah Stoneframe, Frame 970, The Talker. You know the refs. Do it in your head. See you tomorrow at 10. Bye now. Shiny,
6: a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Syrin.